You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime and coordinates for the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for everything Star Wars Celebration Chicago. Uh, The convention just ended, and we are here to talk about all the new and exciting, awesome Star Wars news uh, that happened over the weekend, Um, talk about some announcements, break down some trailers, all that good stuff. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? What's up, Kyle? We were looking forward to this weekend for so long, and I got to say, it did not disappoint, man. <laughs> so much cool Star Wars content that we got from Celebration Chicago. I mean, it was just so fun, even though you and me were not there. Uh, but it was still awesome to follow it and just geek out and get excited about all this great new Star Wars content that's coming this year and then uh, in the future. So, yeah, cannot wait to start talking about all this good stuff. Yeah, definitely. It was a blast just to be able to follow along on the live streams and watch all the new trailers and uh, be interacting with people on Twitter and, you know, just keeping up with everything that was happening. Um, Of course, the third member of our crew, Paul, is uh, still at Celebration right now. Um, And so Tim and I are going to do this episode and just kind of do a big recap of everything that happened over the weekend. Um, And we might go a little bit deeper into a couple things like Clone Wars and Jedi Fallen Order. Um, And we'll talk about uh, Episode 9, of course, and The Mandalorian as well. Um, But we're going to save kind of some of the the bigger um, like trailer breakdown discussion and, uh, you know, diving into some some theories and analysis and stuff like that. Uh, we'll save some of that till Paul gets back, especially with the Mandalorian, because um, I know he's really excited to talk about that and actually got to be there for the panel. Um, but, you know, we wanted to kind of do our hot take, like first reactions to everything uh, right, you know, as on the heels of Celebration ending. So uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. And um, of course, where else would we start but the episode nine panel? Uh, that kicked everything off on uh, Friday morning um, and gave us our first glimpse at footage from episode nine and the long-awaited reveal of the uh, the title, The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, so, Tim, first question, uh, what was your thought on... I, I know it came at the very end of the trailer, but we've been waiting for it for so long, and it's one of the most you know heated things that people are talking about. So what are your thoughts on the title, The Rise of Skywalker, and what do you think it means? worth the wait i mean that's the first thing that came to my mind as you're you know asking me how i felt about it because like you said we're wondering why it took so long for them to announce the title this is the first time we've got a star wars 
trailer, but we didn't know the title for it until the very end. And even as we had discussions about that on previous episodes, thinking, you know, there's got to be something to it as well, why they're deciding to hold back on it. And we we're talking about, you know, it might be kind of the new thing now for these movies, as we would mention how Marvel decided to do that with Avengers Endgame. Um, but at the same time, it wasn't necessarily such, you know, a like spoiler type title or a big revelation with that title, um, which made me wonder, you know, they could have released the Avengers Endgame title right when they announced that after Infinity War. It wasn't so much of like a big reveal for the plot of the movie that I felt they had to wait so long. But boy, once the trailer ended and I was just waiting with bated breath expecting that title to pop up once the star Wars logo came up, which I got to add, love the blue font. We were mm -hmm. talking about that too. How that was the color we we're hoping they'd go with. And it looked amazing. But once the name, the rise of Skywalker came on the screen, I had the biggest smile on my face. I mean, if you were to take a picture of me as I was watching it, it was just so, so satisfying. And to me, it totally lived up to you know the anticipation of why they decided to hold it back and it made total sense because it is such a title that for one was not expecting i mean out of all the speculation and the guessing of the what the title could be and even the day before i remember seeing some rumors about uh people saying word on the street is that the name of the movie is going to be the will of the force hmm. and that was just kind of a generic title like yeah it could probably make sense but at the same time it's one of those titles that feels you know like fan wish fulfillment in a way kind of like some of the stuff that was being thrown around back in the prequel days especially for episode one kind of made me think yeah it makes sense but something too basic that they probably won't go with and boy i mean not in a million years if you were to ask me to guess the title for episode nine i don't think i ever would have came up with the rise of skywalker it was so unexpected but yet i cannot be happier that that is the title and this is something I'm sure we'll go into more once we do an episode with Paul and really break down the trailer and episode nine. But you guys heard us talk about many times about the importance of the Skywalker legacy and, you know, the whole thing of going back to Ray being a Skywalker or a solo, what that means for the future of the Skywalker line. The fact that the title of episode nine has the name of Skywalker in there. To me, just shows, I mean, we don't know what they're going to do with the story, how things are going to end. But at the very least, it just shows me that they know the importance of the Skywalker legacy and the Skywalker name and how Episode Nine is wrapping up the Skywalker saga. So that, to, to me, is what I love about it most, is that it's really showing the importance of the Skywalker legacy and the role they're going to play in the galaxy. And when it's all said and done, just how important the Skywalker name is going to be. And it's showing that. It's showing that importance with the title of the final chapter in the Skywalker saga being the rise of Skywalker. So to me, it blew me away. I love it. I can't wait to see what it truly means once we see the movie. But I just think it's so awesome that the final movie of the Star Wars main saga has the word Skywalker in there. So, yeah, I love it. Could not be happier that that is the title. And it was seeing it that first time, too, was as special as I was hoping it would be because that's one thing we were talking about, how we didn't get the title once they announced production is wrapped and Celebration was just a month or two away. And we're saying, you know what, they might as well just save it to reveal that Celebration because it's going to be such a cool moment to experience that, especially for those there amongst other fans. But even us just watching it 
at home. We were all hoping the trailer would be amazing and it would be a nice cap off to it to get the title. And it was exactly that because of what the name of episode nine is going to be. So I think it all worked out perfectly. A brilliant move by Lucasfilm to hold off on announcing the title until we got the trailer because it really made for a fantastic Star Wars moment that I won't forget. It was that good for me. Yeah, I would totally agree. And I think when I saw that title come up for the first time, I kind of had three simultaneous emotions of like joy, shock and realization. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like you said, I I was shocked because it was so unexpected. It was not a title that, you know, anybody had, had uh, speculated on except for the one guy on Twitter. I don't know if you've seen this, but people found somebody who like back in November of 2012 tweeted star Wars episode seven, uh, the rise of Skywalker. And then he put after that Palpatine lives or the emperor lives or something. <laughs> and people really? were just like, is this guy like, did this guy have psychic powers or what? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a little too crazy. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like shout out to that guy who is much <laughs> more powerful in the force than the rest of us. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we'd heard rumored titles like, uh, you know, balance of the force or, or something like that. Um, but it wasn't anything that we had heard in rumors. I don't think it was anything that anybody was really expecting. Um, and then I was happy because I mean, like you said, we've talked about a lot, the importance of the Skywalker saga and is it, you know, kind of what's the, the state of it after the last Jedi, um, which seemingly gave us definitive proof that Ray is not a Skywalker. And so, are they trying to move away from the Skywalker lineage, um, you know, and just kind of what uh, was their intent with that? And, and you know, how important is the Skywalker lineage and legacy to, uh, you know, the overall story of Star Wars? And so I was just really happy to see that uh, brought back to the forefront. I also had a million questions. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think my first instinct especially in light of some things that have come up in recent days where people have been asking Ryan Johnson, like, Hey, you know, how would you feel about it? If JJ kind of retconned what you did in the last Jedi and revealed that Ray actually did have an important lineage or something like that. Um, and just because people are asking Ryan Johnson about it obviously has no bearing on, like, that doesn't mean that it's actually going to happen in the movie. That's just people trying to like get a rise out of him, but it's just something that had been on my mind. And so when I saw the rise of Skywalker first, just, raw instinct like reaction that popped into my mind was oh so maybe ray is a skywalker but then you start thinking like well could that refer to the redemption of kylo ren because he is actually part of the skywalker lineage or could it refer to luke or could it refer to anakin or is there gonna be another skywalker that we don't know about you know it could even refer to leia um so i just i had a million questions uh regarding you know just who is this title referring to um and what is going to happen to to the skywalker lineage in this movie and how is that going to impact the story um but i was also just really happy that a that we get to have some really fun speculations about it because now you know the wait for this movie is going to be a blast and this is just something that we're going to be kicking around and speculating for the next eight months um but also just to know that like regardless of who it's talking about um, and regardless of what the title actually means, that they're not just casting the Skywalker legacy aside. Like even if Ray is not a Skywalker and they're kind of moving forward with a main character who is um, from a different lineage, like they they know how important that Skywalker name is to the fans and they are 
um, you know, just carrying that towards across the finish line really for, for the end of this saga. Um, and then of course the realization dawned on me almost immediately, like, oh, that's why they waited till now. Um, cause like you were saying with like Avengers Endgame or something, it's like, okay, yeah, you can just kind of, it's almost like they just did that to like help build more anticipation for the trailer. Like people wanted to see it to know what the title was going to be finally. Mm hmm. And then once you saw it, it was like, oh, it's the name that everybody's been predicting for months anyways. Um, but with the rise of Skywalker, it was like it was one that nobody was predicting. It's one that has huge implications for the film. Um, and it's weird because like it it sounds like a title that's almost kind of directly on the nose, um, you know, compared to like Return of the Jedi or Revenge of the Sith, like referring to at least the title sounds like it's referring to a specific character. Um, and I guess you could kind of say the last Jedi is the same way, but it's, it's very direct, like the rise of Skywalker, like Skywalker rises. That's what happens in this movie, um, would seem to be the implication there. But at the same time, like, we don't know who that is or what that actually means. And so, um, I don't know, just the fact that, you know, I had a million questions about it and I knew everybody else was going to have a million questions about it. And the fact that, you know, just it had Skywalker in the title and that's a name that means so much to us Star Wars fans. It's like, oh, yeah, OK, it made perfect sense. Like, this is why they didn't announce the title when they wrapped production or, you know, anytime sooner than this, because this was a perfect reveal to have um, at Celebration in front of the huge audience and uh, really got a double whammy surprise reaction out of people. Because well, let's let's back up to the beginning <laughs> of the trailer for a sec. Um and again, we'll, we'll wait till Paul gets back to do like the full frame by frame breakdown and everything. So I'm not going to go through everything that's in the trailer. But, you know, we start off with that shot of Ray in the desert by herself um, on Tattoo Jakku Jetta, uh, whatever <laughs> planet that is that she's on. Um, or I could throw another one in there, but you know, I'll wait for that. <laughs> um, and you see the TIE fighter coming, coming at her. She does that cool backflip. We get some really great narration from Luke. Um, that really kind of sets up the sort of the sense of finality of this movie and sort of continuing on that like passing of the torch theme from The Last Jedi where he's telling her, uh, you know, we've passed on all we can. A thousand generations live in you now, um, but this is your fight. And so it makes you think that like, you know, obviously it sounds like we're going to be seeing Luke as a force ghost in this movie along with maybe Yoda again, or even possibly Anakin, I think would be really cool. Oh, man, um, that's the hope. And real quickly, what makes me anticipate that and hope for that even more so is that Luke used the word we, yeah, not I. <laughs> like, Because I assume, like you said, he'll be talking to Rey as a force, force ghost there. The fact that he said we just makes me really hope that it's, you know, with him, Yoda, Anakin, and even Obi-Wan. I mean, if it's just all those Force ghosts we've seen in the past talking to Rey, oh, man, that's going to be so, so good. So, you know, we said that before on previous episode that that's probably one of our biggest hopes for Episode Nine. And hearing Luke say, we've, you know, taught you everything we know, this gave me even more hope of that happening. So, yeah, I just immediately picked up on that where he said we and not I that gives me more hope that that is the case yeah definitely and I mean of course he could just be referring to we as like the Jedi collectively because he's passed yeah, on sure. things to Rey that he's learned from Obi-Wan and Yoda and so he could be kind of speaking on behalf of all these generations of Jedi that he's talking about but at the same time I do think it would be really cool to see Yoda one last time and I would love 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 to see Hayden Christensen back as Anakin 
um, as the forest goes for, uh, you know, just one last time to wrap up again, the, the entire Skywalker saga. And they've talked, I mean, JJ has talked about in interviews just since that panel, um, of how, like, you know, they want to do something new and not have it, you know, just retread too much old ground, but at the same time, like being aware of the fact that this is a culmination of eight movies of stuff that have come before and that they're going to kind of touch on all of that. Um, which makes me really excited for just nods and references and cameos and, you know, anything in there that's going to feel like it's really tying not just the sequel trilogy to the original trilogy, but tying all nine films of the Skywalker saga together. And I think having Anakin come back as a force ghost would be a great way to do that. Um, Agreed. So that's, that's on my wish list. Um, but yeah, and so of course, as as Luke is talking about that to Ray, we see what looks like Kylo's uh, Tie Fighter um, in a really cool new design. I mean, it's it looks like his Tie in or uh, the Tie Silencer from the Last Jedi. It's got the same wings, but it's got more of a traditional Tie Fighter cockpit, but with like a really cool black and red paint job on it. And I want that ship so bad. Um, <laughs> Like, I know this isn't coming out till the end of the year, but DICE, like, please just add that in Battlefront 2. I know everybody else is thinking about Jedi Fallen Order, but, like, I need that ship. Um, and then, of course, you know, she does the backflip over it with the lightsaber, and then we see a bunch of more stuff with, uh, you know, Finn and Poe and Leia and all that kind of stuff that we'll get into when we... Um, dissect this more thoroughly but you just see a lot of stuff that gets you excited for stuff you're going to see in the movie you know seeing lando and chewie and the falcon together again um but then the final shot is ray and the whole resistance gang you know finn and poe and chewie i think chewie's in there along with uh with 3po and bb8 and they're all walking towards this cliff and then you see what they're looking at and there's like a big ocean in front of them with a big chunk of wreckage of the death star sticking out of it um, and you hear Luke say, you know, we'll always be with you. And I think he says that over a shot of Leia. Um, but then as, as you see that Death Star wreckage, he says, no one's really gone. And then it fades to black and we hear the familiar evil cackle mm-hmm. of Emperor Palpatine that oh, just man. leaves everybody's jaws planted on the floor. And... Then, of course, the title comes up, and at first it's just the word Star Wars, and then they kind of part, and the rise of Skywalker comes up in between it. And so, it's like, if you're not already reeling from the revelation that Palpatine is still alive, or coming back, or somehow factoring into uh, the story of this movie, um, and before you even have time to recover from that, it's like, boom, and by the way, the movie's called The Rise of Skywalker. Um just insane like mind blown man. yeah yeah like <laughs> i'm trying to th- like this is probably i'm trying to think back on all the other star wars trailers that we've had um but this one was definitely one of the most unique one of the most memorable and definitely one of the most shocking i mean yes. i'll never forget being there at celebration in 2015 when they showed that first uh the trailer for the force awakens where um, Han says Chewie were home at the end and that was maybe the most just like joyous ending of a trailer but to have like that again that double whammy of the Palpatine reveal and then the title reveal and all the questions and implications and things that come along with both of those it was just an unforgettable moment 
without question. I mean, I've said this word already, but I just think it's really appropriate for how I felt watching this trailer, especially at that moment. It's just special to me because we were so excited for it. I mean, I was watching it with my uh, younger brother at the same time with, with the panel. And then once the trailer come on and once that laugh came on, <laughs> we started hearing it. We just looked at each other and just went, what? <laughs> and then quickly looked back at the screen to see the title reveal. And I just went, well, like I said, the biggest smile on my face. And just said, what? <laughs> That's the title? Palpatine's back? Like, oh, how do I process all this? <laughs> it's just amazing. We were geeking out so much. He goes, go back immediately. <laughs> we watched the trailer. Like, wait a second, something's happening. Someone's coming out on the stage. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to me, like, is, is that Hayden Christensen? Because he was all excited about the rise of Skywalker. I thought it was. I thought it was George Lucas because I could tell it was an old guy. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't know like what to think of it until he said those words in the Palpatine voice. I mean, I can't do it as good as you, Kyle. So just say what he said. Yeah. So they had, of course, Ian, <laughs> well, yeah. So, so everybody's going crazy. Um, and you know, the, the trailer fades away. You just see the crowd going nuts. And then they, they cut to, uh, a person on stage and we're like, Oh wait, who's that? And the lights come up a little bit and we can see that it is Ian McDermott. Um, who of course plays Palpatine and he just holds the mic up and, and I'm th- at this point, cause I'm already speculating. I'm like, wait, how is Palpatine back? So I was kind of hoping <laughs> to hear him start asking, did you ever hear the tragedy of dark plague is the wise? Oh, and that would have just that. driven, you know, made people go insane. But no, this was even better because he just says in the Palpatine voice, roll it again. And, <laughs> so oh my gosh. Like, cause it was awesome. Awesome. You know, because everyone was just, bursting with applause and cheers and like it took him a while just to say it because everyone was just losing their minds yeah and it finally did calm down a little bit and he said that it was just like pandemonium almost everybody erupted again <laughs> with cheers and just to see that oh man it was so so good and like you said some of the you know i've had some great memories of watching star wars trailers for the first time you mentioned one of probably the best one with being with you and all of our other friends, hearing Han say Chewie were home and just how appropriate that was and exciting for getting a new Star Wars movie that we never thought we were going to get 10 years later. But then I also thinking back to when I first saw the episode one trailer and how special that was, waiting for hours for it to download on the dial-up modem back in 1998. <laughs> <laughs> but this one's right up there and maybe eventually surpass it because like you said it's a double whammy of stuff that just blew you away and gets you excited at the same time and like i said being able to watch it with my younger brother both of us just geeking out so much i just cannot believe what we were hearing and seeing at that moment so this is going to go down as one of the best star wars trailer moments and maybe just one of the best star wars trailers in general because just the trailer in itself was awesome like i said tons of beautiful shots i loved how it harkened back to the Phantom Menace trailer, the teaser where it says every generation has a legend, just like that mm-hmm. one did. And how it said the saga comes to an end, harkening back to where it says every saga has a beginning. So everything about it was really great. And it just gets topped off with the end with that Palpatine laugh and the title. And what's great about it, too, is how once we heard the laugh, I was kind of expecting to get a quick shot of Palpatine to end the trailer. We didn't. But yet it was still so that laugh was so effective that it didn't need a shot of Palpatine. It did its job of 
getting you plenty excited and just going crazy with speculation and it leads perfectly to the rise of Skywalker title reveal. So everything about it was perfect. It was just so, so good. I mean, I'm never going to forget seeing that trailer for the first time, not <laughs> probably forever, but definitely not for a long time. It was just that good. Oh yeah. Me neither. And I, like, honestly, I'm glad they didn't show any footage of Palpatine because I still like, there's so many questions just based on the laugh. Like all we know is that he factors into the movie somehow. Um, and I think J.J. Abrams did confirm, like, yes, it's actually Palpatine. Like, Ian McDermott actually is playing him in this movie. Um, but it's like, is he is he still alive? Like, did he somehow just fool all of us and never actually die? Did he somehow come back to life? You know, did he finish what Plague has started and actually figure out how to cheat death? Um, or did someone else figure it out and resurrect him? Um, or, you know, is it just gonna be something kind of along the lines of, you know, the stuff that they've been doing in the, the book material and stuff with like the whole Operation Cinder where he leaves behind these like hologram recordings and instructions for the Empire. And so maybe they're just gonna find recordings of Palpatine. Maybe he'll be talking to people through a Sith holocron. Maybe he's even some kind of a force ghost, like... I mean, I know dark side users aren't supposed to like fully be able to become one with the force and become a force ghost. But, you know, you think back to Clone Wars and Darth Bane when they find him at or, you know, when Yoda talks to him in that temple and he's kind of just like haunting his own grave site as kind of a ghost or a spirit. And so maybe they'll find something similar with Palpatine in the wreckage of that Death Star. Um so, and, and, you know, but if they showed a shot of either Palpatine as a hologram or Palpatine in the flesh, like, I think that would, um, it would have been cool to see, but at the same time, it would have answered too many of those questions yeah. too early on. Like, I think just the laugh was perfect. Like, we know enough to get those brain juices flowing and just get you thinking and speculating and going, wait, what the heck, without giving you any actual answers. Yeah, it was definitely the right way to go. And to be honest, you know, Going back to how secretive in the JJ mystery box was for episode seven, it's kind of surprising in a little way that he decided to reveal already that <laughs> Palpatine is going to be involved in the rise of Skywalker. But I'm definitely glad he decided now <laughs> is the time to reveal that because it just gets everyone that much more excited for it. Yeah. But and, I mean, boy, I got some crazy ideas and theories on how that would be possible, which I'll save for our, our episode with Paul. But there's two things I hope it's not. And you mentioned one of them, Kyle, the whole Operation Cinder thing with the droids, with the hologram recording of Palpatine. That would be kind of a cheap way to get Palpatine involved in the movie, if you ask me. And I really hope he's not a clone, kind of like the whole mm -hmm. uh, Dark Empire story that they were going with. But I think there are definitely ways they can bring him back to make it work. So it's going to be exciting, like I said, to speculate on that. But those are the two things that I hope it definitely isn't because it'll just feel too easy and I got to give, you know, more respect to JJ and Chris Terrio to, you know, come up with something more uh, effective than that. But another thing that has me, you know, really excited about it is how JJ talked about before they wrote the script, they talked with George Lucas mm -hmm. and I really believe that this was something, and even Kathleen Kennedy was saying how, you know, ever since they started the sequel trilogy, this was kind of, you know, 
the point they wanted to get to, like the end game, using that word again, to go with the saga to have Palpatine involved with that. And I just have to believe that that was George Lucas's plan as well. And, you know, <laughs> given some of the comments and feelings George has had toward the sequel trilogy um, in the past, I am glad and actually a little surprised that he was <laughs> able to talk with JJ uh, before, you know, they started writing the script for episode nine just to, you know, get his input and feelings on i guess even maybe explanations to how uh, they are going to bring palpatine back so i just have a feeling that they would the way palpatine does come back in episode nine is that it is going to stem from george lucas's plan to have him be in, in his original you know treatments for the sequel trilogy maybe there might be some tweaks here and there but um the fact that they didn't meet with him gives me hope that they are you know going to work with at least um the explanation and plan that george had for palpatine being in episode nine and it just changes the whole outlook and landscape of the sequel trilogy in my opinion i mean it's gonna make you think about episode seven eight and nine a different way i think once it's all said and done i mean heck after that same day on friday when the trailer came out i watched force awakens again <laughs> that night and i was even looking at that movie a little differently knowing that palpatine's going to be involved in the story again it just makes you think about how certain things play out and it's just awesome to think that somehow he's going to be involved in this i mean was everything his everything that transpired with the first order and snoke is that all by design and to me it's just crazy to think about and i can't wait to get those answers and i just have to tweet about or i tweeted this out on friday how you know when it's all said and done we see this movie I think Palpatine's going to shoot up <laughs> the list of my favorite Star Wars characters, knowing because his plan, we talked about this even on our uh, commentary episodes that we've done for Phantom Menace and the Talk of the Clones, or <laughs> a talk, Attack of the Clones. <laughs> <laughs> I, like having trouble talking. We so should have called that, we should have made that the name for the episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But just, you know, Palpatine's grand plan that he had becoming the chancellor and forming the empire beginning the clone wars the downfall of the jedi just how genius his plan was and if that continues beyond that into the sequel trilogy i mean that's why he might shoot up my favorite characters list <laughs> because if this is all part of his plan i mean it's just awesome to think that he went this far to how we know he began so yeah it's exciting that palpatine is going to be in it i was not expecting it i mean you could have asked me something about if if you would hope to see Palpatine back in the sequel tr trilogy and knowing how things played out, I probably would have said, no, nah, it's not going to happen. Don't count on it. And I think we even had rumors about, you know, even in the episode seven days about Palpatine being back. Yeah, possibly. I think we did. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not putting much stock in that. He's dead. Sith can't become force ghost. But we've gotten some other stories since then in the Star Wars universe that I think makes it possible for him to come back. And I think it's just appropriate for the big bad guy for six movies of the Skywalker saga is in fact going to be, or at least I hope the main villain throughout all nine episodes, because it just makes more sense in certain things where if, um, you know, the first order came back, it is remnants of the empire to have that still. I mean, again, we don't know who the capacity is going to be in there, but if I could just speculate a little bit that the first order was indeed all part of Palpatine's plan and the fact that he is, you know, the villain, the through line throughout the course of the entire saga, it just makes sense to me because it kind of would feel a little weird where the big bad guy was Palpatine for six movies, but yet 
the Skywalker saga still continues for three more movies. And it just, it would feel a little, you know, I was going with, along with it anyway, with the sequel trilogy, not expecting Palpatine to be the main bad guy. But there was a part of me that kind of felt, you know, for a story that's supposed to consist of nine parts, a big bad guy was part of it for six movies, and then it moved on from him, but yet it still had remnants of what he started in those first six movies, and he's not involved. It still worked for me, but I think it's going to be make even more sense that Palpatine is, in fact, the big bad guy for all nine movies of the Skywalker saga. And to me, it just... Oh, I just can't wait to see it all unfold and just, you know, hopefully lives up to my excitement and expectations that having Palpatine involved in it brings. So, yeah, I just was shocked to find out. But boy, am I glad that he's still involved with this story. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, and if you had told me the day before that trailer came out that Palpatine was going to be back in episode nine, I probably would have rolled my eyes and been like, mm -hmm. oh, great. I don't want to see this because I've talked about this before. I hate when they bring dead characters back to life just to keep milking that character or that storyline because like they've run out of other good ideas. Um, and the one example that I always go back to is the Force Unleashed 2 where, you know, they killed off the main character at the end of the first game and then they're like, uh, oh, but this game was really popular and made us a lot of money and we want to make more of them. So we'll just like say that there's a clone of him or something and make another game about him. And it just felt like such a cheap like cash grab. Um, but then you look at a character like Darth Maul, who they brought back in Clone Wars. And at first I thought that was going to be a bad idea, too. But then just the execution of it was so well done. And the stories that he's involved in once he comes back are so incredible and are, you know, some of my favorite star wars stories ever and so i'm like okay well even though they never really gave like a satisfying answer for how he actually survived getting cut in half and falling down a giant shaft and how did he get from naboo to that junk planet it's like well it's not really important at this point because darth maul is back and we get more really great stories with him um and i get the feeling that same might be true with palpatine here although i get the fact if he i get the feeling that if he actually is back i think they probably are going to reference Darth Plagueis again. Um, and that Palpatine so. just gained some, you know, he, he learned a lot and especially with like the stuff that we see in rebels, the kind of stuff that mm -hmm. he was tinkering with, with like the temple on Lothal and the world between worlds. And even in clone wars, when we see him with Dooku doing like that dark magic ritual, like he was into all kinds of stuff. Um, and he had people like Vader and Tarkin, Tarkin, like out there enforcing his will in the empire. I'm sure he had plenty of time to himself to dabble in a lot of dark arts and things. So, um, you know, I'm sure that if he actually is back, uh, they can come up with a satisfying explanation for it, but it's more the fact that just, you know, on paper, do I like the idea of it? I definitely didn't before. And honestly, I'm still not entirely sure if I think it's a good idea. Like they'll have to really make this work. Um, and tell a good story out of it. But just hearing that laugh again in the trailer, I definitely was not rolling my eyes and going, oh, great, they're bringing Palpatine back. I was just like, what? Um, and getting just as excited about it as everybody else. So I'm on board. Um, and I mean, Palpatine is already really high on my list of favorite Star Wars characters. Um, and as de definitely as far as villains go, for me, it's like Vader, Palpatine, kylo and here i was thinking like man i really love kylo ren and if they 
do a really great job with him in this movie. He could maybe overtake Palpatine for the number two spot of my favorite Star Wars villains, but then they had to go bring Palpatine <laughs> back too. So the two of them are going to be competing for my number two spot for the entire movie. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's insane. Um, you know, I don't think any of us saw this coming, but I can't wait to see uh, what they end up doing with it. Yeah. I mean, we were all excited to get that episode nine trailer just in general to see what it's going to look like find out the title but i never could imagine it would have been you know this take that hype and excitement level you know up maybe 10 more notches <laughs> because that's what it did for me i mean because i knew i was going to be excited for what i was going to see we're getting new footage for a brand new star star wars movie it's going to be the final one of the skywalker saga but you factor in palpatine the title the right of skywalker i mean it, it was just insane and in how <laughs> excited I was for for that, that whole day. And even still now, though, the weekend's over. We're talking about it. Just that excitement is still there. And it gets, you know, it's building and building. We got a few more months, obviously, till we get to see the movie. And, of course, we'll get one more trailer, which I'm sure will take <laughs> that excitement level up even further once we're closer to that. But, man, if I was excited for episode nine just in general, I mean, it just reaffirms it that – this movie is going to be, you know, something that, I mean, temper expectations, we got to always throw that out there, but it's hard not to be excited and think that this movie, from all the stuff we've learned just from that trailer, how I really feel it's going to do what it set out to do and end the Skywalker saga on such a good note that's, you know, going to close out everything that was established from episode one to eight. And I just love how, even though pretty much in every interview, JJ was saying the same thing over and over again, but the fact that he was stressing how they really wanted to close out all eight episodes or, you know, nine episodes once we see the movie, but how it was important for them to honor everything that came before episodes one through eight. And I just really feel they're going to do that with episode nine and Palpatine being involved with that and the title being the rise of Skywalker, I think really shows that that's going to be in the case. And I just cannot wait <laughs> to see it all unfold on December. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, man, just, yeah, like you said, from the title reveal, from the stuff that we've seen in the trailer and from the fact that we know that they went and consulted George Lucas and really wanted to do this right and, and sort of nail the right feeling and the right conclusion to this whole epic, you know, timeless nine movie saga. Um, I'm really excited for it. I can't wait to see what they do with it. And also, yeah, I'm trying to keep my expectations in check. I'm not going, oh man, this is going to be the best Star Wars movie ever. Um, I'm hoping that it'll be the best of the sequel trilogy, but even that I'm like, you know, let's not put like expectations onto the head of time. Like, I don't want to give it like a bar that it has to set. Like the first time I go to yeah. see it, I just want to sit there and enjoy the ride and, uh, you know, just watch a new Star Wars movie and, you know, all the, the new thoughts and feelings that that evokes um, without having to be like, OK, but how does this compare to my expectations? Because I feel like that happens to me every time I get so many like expectations and theories and questions and stuff built up in my own head. Like, I feel like every new Star Wars movie that's come out so far, I think the second time has been my favorite time watching it. Um, because the first time it's like. I like this, but is it what I expected? And then the second time it's like still new enough that I can kind of be surprised, but it's like, okay, now I know kind of more what to expect and I'm not kind of checking it against what I thought the movie was going to be. Um, and so this time I'm really just going to try to go into it, um, 
as kind of fresh as possible. And obviously we're still going to follow all the trailers and, and everything. Um, so I'm not saying I don't want to know anything about it, but I just, I want to try as much as possible to not have like a preconceived notion of what the movie should be um, mm-hmm. or, or what I want it to be and just be able to enjoy it for what it is, which hopefully is going to blow us away. Um, exactly. I mean, you're exactly right. That's how I like to go into it. But as diehard Star Wars fans, it's just so hard sometimes not to over speculate and get excited about things you hope to see once more things get revealed. So it, it is a task in itself to go into a movie with those kind of expectations in check when you're just into it so much. So, <laughs> But that's the goal. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then to just kind of go over a couple other things from the panel itself that they talked about. Um, I mean, again, we talked about the, the fact that they talked to George Lucas about it. Um, I feel like they bring this up every time, but they talked about kind of like the balance between practical sets and visual effects and wanting to make the Star Wars world feel as real as possible, which is awesome. Not but I feel lie. like we've been beating that to death since The Force Awakens came yeah. out. Yeah, it's like, not going to lie, I rolled my eyes at that point. <laughs> yeah. The fan that was like, again, it's like, I almost still say it, like when the question's asked, it's almost say asking like it's gonna be it's something new like oh this is gonna get the fans super excited like we've heard this so many times before it's not a big deal <laughs> it was great in the force awakens and we just expect that with you know the next movie that jj's doing so at that point i was like okay come on let's move on from that topic <laughs> yeah um and i think kind of the general consensus that i've seen among fans is that the panel itself was like not the best Mm-hmm. Um, just as far as, and maybe people were hoping that they'd like get more information revealed and stuff. I thought it was just kind of par for the course. Um, you know, we got like all the cast out again. We got a couple new cast members introduced. Um, obviously they're not going to give away a whole lot of story details and stuff, but, um, you know, then it was mainly just the trailer at the end that blew everybody away. Um, but we did get introduced to a couple of new characters. We got, uh, Dio, the new droid that is, uh, BB-8's little friend, um, and then, uh, Naomi Aki, who is, uh, plays the character of Janna, who we saw in some of those leaked images that came out a while ago. Um, but you know, they brought her out to talk about her character a little bit. Um, and then, and it's funny cause they kind of hinted that she might be the daughter of Lando, Yeah, <laughs> but she didn't really answer that question. She was just like, Hey, Lando is a charming man. He could have children all over the galaxy. Um, yeah, it was, it was kind of something where you expect them to play it off and go, eh, just like a fun question. And they're going to go like, no. But at the same time, the way she responded and the kind of looks they gave each other was like where she wasn't sure if she should say anything about it. Just made me think, eh, maybe that might be the case. I don't know. So Yeah. I mean, uh, honestly, I would be surprised if they did go that route because I feel like I'm so over kind of the, the cliche of like people just assuming that any characters that are like ethnically similar, like, Oh, they must be related. Like, you know, Oh, mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, Jin or so could be Ray's mom or, uh, you know, Finn could be Lando's son or, you know, even somehow related to Mace Windu or something like that. It's like, there was so much of that speculation back, like before the force awakens came out and I'm like, okay, well by now we've had four movies and realized that like, they're not really doing that. And I would kind of be surprised that, like, of all the people, like, oh, wait, so, like, Lando has a daughter? Okay. Um, but, I mean, that could be kind of cool, too. But it definitely was cool to see Billy D. Williams come out and talk about playing Lando yeah. again. Um, and I loved how, um, you know, oh, and it was, how cool was it, too, that Stephen Colbert was hosting the panel? Um, yeah, yeah that was, he was a fun host. <laughs> yeah, that was a surprise. But, um, 
yeah, that was cool. It's always cool to see like big celebrities come in who you can tell like really are genuine Star Wars fans. Um, but he asked him, he said, you know, hey, how did you uh, find, I, I think the line he said was, how did you find Lando again? And uh, Billy D just said, Lando never left me. Yeah. Um, and that <laughs> was really answer. cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's going to be really fun to see him in there again. And just seeing that brief shot in the trailer of Lando in the cockpit of the Falcon with Chewie was, uh, it was really cool to see. Um, and then of course they had the main cast out there again, uh, you know, John Boyega and Daisy Ridley and Oscar Isaac, Adam Driver wasn't there. Um, but they all talked about kind of a little bit of, uh, where their characters are at in this movie. They didn't answer the one question that I really wanted to know, which is how far after the last Jedi does this take place? But they did, um, kind of allude to the fact that like, it's been some time, um, and I hate it because I feel like Daisy Ridley was like about to answer that question. She leaned over to JJ. She's like, can I say that? And then she kind of backed off of it. And she was like, let's just say like some time has passed. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm still sticking with my hope of like three to five years. Same. Um, yeah. And I think that's a good bet because any longer than five years, I mean, I feel like the characters would start looking older and stuff. Like, I don't think it's been that long, but um, it definitely feels like it's been a little while. Um, but one thing that was cool that they talked about, too. Um, and then you can kind of see from the footage, too, is they talked about the fact that they really wanted this to be a big group adventure. Um, mm-hmm. And that, you know, even though Ray, Finn and Poe are kind of like supposed to or at least are kind of marketed as like the new kind of hero trio of this uh, of this new trilogy, kind of like the Han, Luke and Leia. Um but we don't see them together a whole lot. Like in the force awakens, you see Ray or you see Finn and Poe together for a little bit. And then you see, uh, Finn and Ray together for a lot of the movie and Poe and Ray never even meet. And then in the last Jedi, Ray is off with Luke for most of the movie. And then, you know, Finn and Poe are doing a lot of stuff together with the resistance. Um, but it'll, it'll be really cool to see, the three of them and, you know, Chewie and BB-8 and C-3PO and the whole crew together um, off on this big adventure in the last movie. And what that adventure is, who knows, but apparently it involves finding something in the wreckage of the Death Star, which I think is going to be really cool and I'm really intrigued by. Yeah, and it looks like not just that one planet either, because then we see them together on that desert planet that <laughs> we don't know exactly which desert planet it is. So it looks like at least for the most part, um, throughout the course of the whole movie, they'll be together more than apart anyway. I'm sure they'll split at some point, but... Yeah, well, point. and it's, especially because you see Ray by herself at the beginning, you know, facing down yeah. the TIE fighter that... Well, I should say that we assume is being flown by Kylo because all you see in that footage is some gloved hands on the controls of that TIE fighter, and we never actually get a reveal that it's Kylo mm-hmm. Ren in that TIE fighter. Um, but I'm just assuming it is because it's such a similar design to the ship that he was flying in, uh, in the last Jedi. Um, you know, what's funny. I'm, uh, I think I tweeted before celebration. I was like, you know, hopefully this time tomorrow, like I'll be geeking out over some awesome new footage of the Knights of Ren, because that was the one thing that I was really excited to see in this trailer. And they are absolutely nowhere to be found. And I am nowhere near as disappointed by that as I <laughs> thought I would be just because there's so much other cool stuff in here. Uh, to talk about and um, yeah as long as those guys are in the movie which actually sadly was never confirmed because we also didn't get like an official release of that the poster that got leaked um, 
Even and though a lot of elements from that poster were <laughs> confirmed were in this trailer. basically confirmed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, I feel like because Adam Driver wasn't there, I feel like they didn't really spend a lot of time talking about Kylo and the Knights of Ren and the dark side, um, yeah. you know, the First Order and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I feel like the panel, at least, you know, what they talked about in the panel really focused more on kind of the hero characters. So... Hopefully we'll get some more focus on the bad guys later. Maybe if they do a panel at San Diego Comic-Con or something like that. Um, and I'm sure, you know, we'll get some more information as we get closer through interviews and what have you. But um, yeah, that's definitely still something I'm really looking forward to. There's a really awesome looking shot of Kylo Ren in the trailer. So um, yeah, I'm still really excited to uh, to see what he's been up to and, uh, you know, see what his place in this story is and uh, how he's going to factor into all that with Palpatine. There was something that JJ said in the panel too, and I'll have to go back and listen to it again, but it, and this was of course, before we saw the trailer and before the Palpatine reveal, but he hinted at, he, he said something that to me, at least kind of hinted at there maybe being like a greater evil that they all have to face. Yeah. And so that makes me wonder like, are Ray and Kylo going to be teaming up again to fight Palpatine? Or is he going to be, Maybe fighting both of them separately, or is Kylo going to side with Palpatine, or is that going to be like a choice that he has to make? Um, and, you know, again, you talked about this earlier, like, is Palpatine coming back after all these years and kind of jumping back into the fray, or has he really been controlling all of this from the beginning? Um, just, uh, man, I don't know. There's, there's so much to talk about. And uh, so many unanswered questions that I can't wait to just speculate about over the next several months. And I'm way more excited about this movie about this movie now than I was going in or going into celebration. And of course, it's not that I thought that the movie was going to be bad or that I wasn't excited about it or anything. It's just and I've said this before, I feel like The Last Jedi didn't leave us with a whole lot of lingering questions aside from just like, OK, what happens next? But you know, The Force Awakens, there was a ton of stuff that we still wanted answers to, like Ray's parents and and what's Luke been up to and, uh, you know, who is Snoke and all this kind of stuff. And The Last Jedi kind of wrapped up all of that and then didn't really, it didn't leave a lot of loose dangling threads, I felt like. And so I was just kind of like, okay, well, episode nine is just going to be whatever it's going to be, I guess. And we didn't know anything about it. So I didn't feel like I really had anything to latch onto as far as like, speculating and and getting really excited about stuff but now that we've seen this trailer um i'm like okay now i have lots of questions and things that i want to discuss and things that i want to speculate about and uh things that i can't wait to know more about as we get closer to the release of this movie so it's going to be a fun rest of 2019 uh waiting for the rise of skywalker to come out oh yeah i mean as you're talking about the threads that the last jedi kind of closed out i know that was one of the problems some people had with it, like Snoke already being taken out in the movie, you know, finding out, you know, Ray's parents and all that. But man, to me, it just wouldn't have what we know about episode nine. Just makes me even more glad that those things happened in the last Jedi, especially with Snoke being taken out. And even then we were talking about the movie. I thought that was a great move because now we'll see Kylo as the Supreme leader of the first order and, you know, pretty much the ruler of the galaxy at that point. And now that's going to be cool to see, but man, it just, got taken to a whole nother level now that we know that Palpatine is going to be involved with that. I mean, remember how we were speculating before or maybe during episode seven and we're talking about the role Luke's going to play and how 
thinking he'd survive eight and in nine where like it's gonna be Ray versus Kylo, Luke versus Snoke and all that. And obviously that's not gonna happen, but that idea of another big bad, the big bad being a part of it now with Palpatine four nine, you know, just it was even better than what I could have expected for episode nine and the climax that it could be and the fun that that's going to bring. It's like you said, just waiting for it. And yeah, I've said before how episode nine was my most anticipated thing going into celebration. And I just couldn't wait to get that trailer. And to say that it surpassed my expectations would be an understatement. Cause like I said, it exceeded them tenfold and just cannot be, more excited than I am right now to see this movie. And I was already plenty excited to see it. So yeah, it was just great. And just, I don't know if you're going to talk more about the panel, but just in general, I did have that feeling as I was watching it that, you know, even more so than the force awakens panel and the last Jedi panel, they really aren't giving us too much here. It really feels like that this panel might be the weaker ones out of the three. Just when it comes to, you know, learning about this movie. Cause like you said, they were kind of really, you know, tip, like towing the line <laughs> with what they could say, everybody in the mm -hmm. room. But, you know, once we saw that trailer, we knew why, <laughs> because mm -hmm. almost to a point where they didn't want to spoil that big surprise they knew was coming in that trailer. And that just made me realize, okay, the panel, you know, it was fine for what it led up to. I mean, Gave us little nuggets here and there, but it was just all worth it for the big surprise we got with that trailer. So at the end of the day, it was a fun panel. I mean, it's still great seeing all the cast just have fun together and just to talk about it. And it was also cool to see the you know big hand that Kelly Marie, Marie Tran got when she walked out, everyone chanting mm -hmm. her name after everything she went through after The Last Jedi. So that was great to see. But just in the terms when it comes to talking about episode nine in general, there was some stuff that was left to be desired, I felt, in this discussion. But, yeah, it all led to that trailer, and I couldn't be happier with how <laughs> it all played out. So, in the end, it was a really good uh, panel to experience and watch live and just get excited for the movie like <laughs> the panel was supposed to make you feel. So, it did its job. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think after the fact... Like, nobody watched that trailer and went, eh, the panel was kind of weak, though. You know, like, mm, yeah. it's just the, like they let the trailer speak for itself. Like, everybody walked away going, holy crap, Palpatine's back. And the rise of Skywalker, what does it mean? Um, I, I think that was, like, the two biggest questions on everybody's mind. And, like, that was enough for me. Um, and I am definitely, like I said, really hyped for this movie now. And I cannot wait for December. Yeah, I mean, um, it's going to go by quick, but still, <laughs> it's right now, as we're so excited about it, it feels like so far away, but it, it should move pretty fast as we <laughs> continue to move along in 2019 and have this other cool stuff to experience as well. But yeah. right now, it just feels like, hurry up and get here. <laughs> yeah, but like you said, there's so much other stuff that we have to fill the time with. Um, and let's talk about The Mandalorian real quick. Um, if we wanted to go in chronological order, we could talk about Jedi Fallen Order next because that was the the next um, the next day after um, the Episode 9 panel. But let's talk about The Mandalorian real quick because we're not going to go too much into this one because Paul was actually there for this panel in the room. Um, and they showed some footage that they decided not to share with the live stream and post on starwars.com and stuff. Like if you watch the live stream of this panel, it actually just cut to like a title screen saying the panel will be back in, you know, with a countdown as they were showing the footage in the room. Um, and all fans watching 
let out their Darth Vader nose screams at that point. <laughs> yeah, well, we let out our Darth Vader nose screams and then immediately went to find the bootleg versions on YouTube. So um, I, we've seen the footage, but it's not quite the same as getting to see it you know, in HD, like the way it was yeah. meant to be shown. And so we'll kind of wait to dive into that with Paul. Um, and they actually, they showed us a, a surprising amount of footage because they showed kind of like a behind the scenes sizzle reel that was about three minutes that showed some footage, but then also just some, um, like some actual footage from the show, but then some behind the scenes and you know, interviewing with, uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau and people just talking about it. Um, and then they also showed an actual like five minute uh, clip or a five minute scene from an episode. Um, and I can understand them not sharing that with us because usually if it's like an extended piece of footage or if it's an entire episode of a show or something like that, um, they usually don't share that or post that online. Um, but then at the end of that, they showed like a minute and a half, like teaser trailer for the whole series. Um, but we'll, we'll kind of go into all that and get Paul's take on what it was like to see that in the room with, you know, the people watching it on the big screen and stuff. But, um, as far as the panel itself, so it was hosted by, um, just Dave Filoni and John Favreau. Um, and then they brought out, uh, three of the main cast members, um, Pedro Pascal and Gina Carano and Carl Weathers. Um, and they talked about the characters that they're playing and the time period, uh, that it's set in and just kind of the, the look and feel of the show and stuff and revealed some, I mean, some really cool stuff. Like for example, the fact that, um, they actually brought in members of the 501st to play like, uh, stormtroopers in scenes and stuff like that. Um, but they also just talked about like the kind of the gritty feel that they're going for. And of course, this is something that I totally would have expected from a show that Dave Filoni is involved with. I mean, we know he's one of the episodic directors, but he also is an executive producer. And it seemed like he collaborated really closely with Jon Favreau um, on like the story and just kind of the world building and everything. Like we know that this has been Jon Favreau's baby for a long time, but you definitely get the sense that like Dave is really instrumental as well in helping bring this to life. Um and one of the things he talked about is how he wanted to kind of bring together all aspects of Star Wars in this and have it, you know, really feel familiar and like kind of tie to the original trilogy because it's set like five years after Return of the Jedi, but also tie in like elements from the prequels and even bring in some more EU stuff like he's done with Clone Wars and Rebels and bringing Thrawn into the fold and stuff like that. So, I mean, whether it's going to be bringing in actual characters or maybe just... Um, you know, just ideas and concepts that are referenced in Legends material. I think we can expect to see some of that too, and that's going to be really exciting. Um, but overall, I mean, even just having seen the the footage that, uh, you know, kind of the crappy quality, like, leaked footage that people shot on their phones, I'm really excited for this, and I think this is, uh, it's sounding really cool. Um, sounds like it's just really fun to be a part of and all the actors involved, you know, talked about more about their characters and stuff, but just talked about like how cool it is to be part of star Wars and working with these guys. And you can tell that, uh, Favreau and Filoni are just having a blast working on this thing. And I think they're going to be bringing us some really quality star Wars content. Yeah. I mean, even without getting to see the footage that was shown through the live stream, I still left or once it was over, I still felt like, man, it did its job of getting me really excited for this show. Because, I mean, Dave Filoni and John Favreau, John Favreau, I loved how there wasn't, you know, a main host for the panel like there really is for all the other ones. It's just them two, you know, talking about their show and how much they love Star Wars. I know some people have said that, you know, felt a little unstructured, unstructured in a way. And because they 
some felt maybe they were rambling on too much, but it was still fun just hearing them talk Star Wars because mm-hmm. we all know how much Dave Filoni loves Star Wars and just how he gets the universe. But you felt that same passion from John Favreau as well. So it is cool seeing them bounce off each other with what they're bringing to the table in this series. And yeah, even though we didn't get any footage though, they did release um, some official screens and images of the characters from the show. And it just looks awesome. I mean, we saw that first image release of the Mandalorian in that teaser image of him just walking through that market. But then these images released, we see him in action, holding a blaster, taking cover behind a wall that looks cool. And then there's him like walking into an entrance where his, you just see the shadow of his silhouette. It just looks awesome. I mean, it's impossible for any Mandalorian not to look cool. <laughs> but mm-hmm. in particular, when you see it in live action, it's just really awesome. But then we get to see uh, characters that... Uh, Gina Carano, like you said, and Carl Weathers are playing. I like how uh, Gina Carano's character, her name is Cara Dune, um, which when they first said it, her name I was like, did they say Doom? <laughs> like, is like going to be related to Kanan in some way? But, yeah, it also yeah. kind of sounded like one word, like Cara Dune, but yeah. <laughs> it's Cara Dune is uh, her character's name. Yeah, but I like how her character is a former shock trooper of the Rebels and mm-hmm. not the Empire, because that's kind of when you, in some Star Wars stories that we get, I mean, Resistance is an example um, where, you know, the character Griff, who we didn't see too much, is a former, you know, tough ex-Empire pilot. And I feel we see more of the ex-Imperial soldiers more than we do, you know, former Rebel soldiers. And you know, we got Jaeger, too, in Re- Resistance, but just in general and other stories that we've gotten throughout the years, I felt it's more... We hardly see former rebel soldiers, especially in this time period, but that hasn't been explored too much um, in, you know, this in the in canon universe now. So I think it's cool that we're seeing a former rebel shock trooper who, you know, <laughs> looks like she means business. You see the big uh, gun that she has, which almost looks like a Gatling gun, almost not quite as big, I think, or as powerful as the one uh, Baze had in Rogue One. But <laughs> it looks like it's going to be something similar to that. So it's going to be cool to see. And then. Carl Weathers revealed that his character is named Grief Karga, who's going to be kind of the boss of the Bounty Hunters Guild, which is cool because I don't believe they actually said that the Mandalorian was a bounty hunter in the initial press release. If I remember right, they just kind of said he's this, you know, lone gunslinger uh, type character who's traveling throughout the galaxy. So I don't remember if they officially said he was a bounty hunter. But now that we know that he is going to be a bounty hunter, we're going to see other bounty hunters in this. And what's cool about that is I think it's going to be awesome because they also confirmed too. John Favreau said this is going to be five years after Return of the Jedi. So it's not too far removed from the events of that movie and what happened. And I think it's going to be pretty cool to hear. I just know it's going to happen that because it's in that press release, the legacy of Boba Fett, I think is going to, you know, have its mark in the series, especially now that we know there's going to be a bounty hunters guild. So I could just picture conversations, maybe the Mandalorians having with grief Karga here, you know, as he's trying to recruit him, especially once he sees them in Mandalorian armor, maybe the conversation or topic might come up as far as like, Hey, I, you know, I need this important object. Boba Fett's not around anymore. So I have to go to (laughs) maybe uh, the next best thing here. That's you. Or can you feel the shoes left behind? of Boba Fett as someone who's wearing his, you know, iconic armor. Cause you know, I like to think during that time period where Boba Fett was the only bounty hunter around that had Mandalorian armor. I know we had legend stories with Jodo Cass, but we don't know if that was the case in the in canon universe. Now I kind of like to hope that Boba Fett was the only one, 
But now that he's gone, the Mandalorian is the first bounty hunter to, uh, you know, start making a name for himself that is wearing Mandalorian armor and maybe kind of prove to people that, you know, he's not Boba Fett or he could be as good as Boba Fett. I would love it if that's kind of a theme throughout the course of the series. Not the main point, but, you know, him trying to establish his own reputation as far as being a bounty hunter in Mandalorian armor and maybe even throwing in that, hey, I'm the true Mandalorian here. Boba Fett was never a Mandalorian. He just had the armor. So I'm going to show you be. that I'm better than Boba Fett. But just that you know, legacy that Boba Fett created and how he's viewed at this point in time with other bounty hunters, I think is going to be pretty cool to see. And hopefully there's uh, quite a bit of that throughout the course of the season. So that had me excited about it as well. See, I kind of have a little bit different take on that because I feel like I mean, it, it could definitely be cool to have a reference to that and see, you know, maybe somebody confuse him for Boba Fett or compare him to Boba Fett or something like that. But I don't want him like in universe trying to step out of Boba Fett's shadow because I feel like he's almost already doing that as a character anyways. Because like when you think of Mandalorian still, like who's the first character you think of? For most people, it's still going to be Boba Fett. Um, and... I feel like, especially because they talked about during the panel, like how John Favreau is like an old school, like original trilogy fan. And he even kind of hinted at the fact that like, um, he didn't straight out say like he doesn't like the prequels, but he said like Dave Filoni has, get, yeah. has been slowly getting him to appreciate them more mm -hmm. and more. <laughs> and so I feel like John Favreau was maybe one of those people that just loved Boba Fett in the original trilogy. And, you know, sort of the the inspiration that George took from when creating the character, like that old Western style, like just lone gunfighter um, and sort of that idealistic, you know, image of Boba Fett that a lot of people had before the prequels. And you find, you know, you see him as a kid and find out that he's just a clone of Jango Fett. And um, I mean, again, we talked about this in our episode two commentary, like I'm fine with that, but I know a lot of people didn't like that and it didn't gel with you know, kind of this image of Boba Fett that had kind of been expanded on beyond the movie and like what people thought that character could be. And I think the Mandalorian is kind of like wish fulfillment in that aspect. It's like, it almost feels to me like this is what Jon Favreau like wishes Boba Fett was. Like this is why they're carrying forward with this and focusing on this instead of making a Boba Fett movie. Mm -hmm. You know, when we heard like that report or that interview with Kathleen Kennedy a while ago and she talked about, uh, or they asked her like if they were still... Uh, going to be making a Boba Fett movie. And she said, for now, they're just focusing on the Mandalorian. I think if this was coming out around the same time as a Boba Fett standalone film, like general audiences would kind of get confused. Like there's two guys that look really similar and who's the TV guy and who's the movie guy and which guy's Boba Fett and whatever. Um, and so I think, you know, this is almost going to be like a Boba Fett series that's just not about Boba Fett. Like instead of bringing mm -hmm. the character back, they just decided to create a whole new Mandalorian character, but having him be this old Western style lone gunfighter. I mean, Pedro Pascal even talked about drawing inspiration from like Clint Eastwood movies and old samurai movies and having him kind of be that mysterious, like man with no name, uh, kind of type of character. Um, again, that like, that's what people like. That's how a lot of people still think of Boba Fett. And I think that's what made the character instantly so appealing to people, even though you had no idea who he was. And he has like, you know, very limited screen time. And in the movie itself, you find out very little about him. Um, so this to me feels like kind of like a, a replacement Boba Fett movie, if you will. Like it's, it's a Boba Fett series about a character whose name is not Boba Fett, but is essentially filling that same role. Um, heck, even yeah. down the even down to the fact that he has the same rifle that Boba Fett used in 
the Star Wars holiday special when he was first introduced. Mm-hmm. And you just got kind of little Easter eggs like that that are nods to the character. And again, just the fact that he has that iconic Mandalorian armor, like you kind of can't help but draw the comparison. But I like because we as fans already kind of make that comparison in our heads. I don't want the whole series to be about him trying to outdo Boba Fett or step out of the shadow of Boba Fett. I want this to just be about this new character and establish him. And it's like, well, it's not a Boba Fett series. So let's see what this guy's all about. Yeah, I definitely feel that way too. I don't want that to be the main focus of it, but little hints of that here and there, I think I'll be all for, I'll be all for that. And I think you're totally right. I mean, if, you know, they didn't do what, uh, what George Lucas didn't do what he did with Boba Fett being, you know, a clone, which again, like you said, I love that, and I think it just elevates his character. But as you were saying about John Favreau being, you know, the original trilogy guy, and Dave Filoni kind of <laughs> shepherding him as far as how to appreciate the prequels and what they offered to the story of the saga and the Star Wars universe, which is great. Thank you, Dave. But <laughs> I think if John Favreau had his way, this would be a Boba Fett series without question. And I think you're totally right, where they're kind of doing this as you know, it would be a Boba Fett series, but since it's not, it's it's kind of to me, I view it as a win-win for us because we talked about this before too, way back when how there was rumors are going to retcon Boba Fett from episode two and how mad I would be if they did that. Mm-hmm. And so this is to me is what they would do if they decided to do that, you know, continue that mystery lone gunfighter uh, character. And so you're getting a character that looks like Boba Fett has the iconic Mandalorian armor. We're going to get those type of stories of those Western gunslinger uh, type scenarios with him. And yet those of us who are fans of the story that George did for Boba Fett, that's still intact. And there's still opportunities to explore more stories with him later on. So it's, you're kind of getting the best of both when it comes to uh, those two Mandalorian or characters in Mandalorian armor, I should say. But if I could just do some crazy, you know, fanboy speculation and hopefulness, I <laughs> would love to see in the series at the like season one finale. It's teased that Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc pit and he, confronts the Mandalorian <laughs> and then mm. that sets the course to season two or maybe Boba Fett is the antagonist or the person he has to go up against now that he's back in the game as the bounty hunter I think that could be awesome but I know I'm getting way too ahead of myself and I probably shouldn't expect that to happen but I would love to see that it would be really cool yeah <laughs> I, I mean, mean that's where Dave Filoni could you know bring his you know experience and influence into the series in that regard that's true it wouldn't be the first time that Dave has brought a character back from seemingly the dead and in this case Boba Fett is a character that a lot of people already thought survived as opposed to Maul who was like chopped clean in half and we all just assumed he was dead except for the people that read like the Infinity comic and didn't realize it wasn't canon Um, (laughs) I think that was it was Star Wars Infinities right was like the the comic where he came back with the robot legs no that was uh, Star Wars Visionaries Visionaries that's what it was called I knew it was something Ares or Inities or (laughs) something like that um, but, uh, yeah, no, I think this series sounds really cool. Um, can't wait to get to watch it on November 12th, by the way, which I don't think we've talked about this yet, but, oh, um, right. right before celebration, I think it was actually the day before celebration, yeah. right? Um, mm-hmm. which totally made sense because we knew they were about to reveal a bunch of information about, uh, the Mandalorian and about Clone Wars and stuff that's going to be on Disney plus. And so Disney had like a shareholder meeting or something where they finally, uh, pulled back the curtain on, Disney Plus and gave us a bunch of new details about it. Um, and so it is launching on November 12th in the U.S. for the shockingly low price point of $6.99 a month. 
Um, yeah. Or like sixty nine ninety nine for the whole year, which comes out to like five eighty three a month, I think. Which I'm mm-hmm. probably just gonna do that um, <laughs> because there's so much stuff on there that I'm gonna want to watch. I mean, just with the Mandalorian and Clone Wars, and then they announced like three different Marvel series. Um, and they said, I think it's day, is it day one or within the first year that they're going to have all the star Wars movies on there? I believe it's day. I see. Now I'm confused. I know clone wars is within the first year, but now with star Wars movies right now, I want to see it's or say it's day one, but it yeah, might be within the year. Two. It might be. Well, it might be day one. Cause I know they said with the Marvel movies, it's going to be within the first year. Like they're going to have some Marvel movies, essentially like the ones that aren't on Netflix right now. Yeah. Um, are going to be on there day one, but they said they'll have the entire MCU on there within the first year, I think. And that's um, going to be the case with star Wars too. It's once they get on there, how, um, wrote or, uh, solo and the last Jedi won't be on there right away. Cause I think they have to run through their Netflix contracts. That they oh, have okay. There. Well, maybe, maybe then it was just that episodes one through nine or or one through eight are going to be on there. I think that's what it was. I think, I think episodes one through eight are going to be on there at launch and solo and rogue one are going to be on later. No, it's actually rogue one and force awakens will be on there. Last Jedi and solo will not since they're the most recent ones. I guess they run through their Netflix uh, timeframe that they have with the. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, regardless. I, and I mean, to me, that doesn't really matter because I've got all the Star Wars movies on exactly, Blu-ray. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have all the Marvel movies on Blu-ray um, and they're not all on Netflix. So it's going to be great to uh, be able to watch those on there. And even some of the Marvel shows that they're coming out with, like Falcon and Winter Soldier. Sign me up, man. Like Falcon's one yep. of my favorite <laughs> MCU characters, so I can't wait for that. Um, but they also announced that the Mandalorian uh, is going to be on there from day one. And I've even seen some tweets and stuff from people. Like, I don't think they confirmed this at the panel, but apparently word has gotten out that they are not dropping the entire season at once, but that they're going to be yeah. dropping one or maybe two episodes at first. Um, and then I would assume dropping them weekly thereafter. Um, yeah. which I think, I think that'll was, be fun was... because then we'll get to talk about them like every week and, uh, you know, speculate about like what's going to happen in the next episode and people can do Mandalorian podcasts and do like an episode a week without, um, you know, already having the next episode spoiled for them by people who've just gone ahead and binge watched the whole thing and all that. So, um, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. I think that's going to be fun, especially because Clone Wars is not going to be on their day one. And so... Uh, and I, they haven't announced yet exactly when Clone Wars is going to be on there. Um, I think they said within the first year, and I would assume that anyways. It just like on in their presentation, it said coming soon, but they talked about a lot of stuff that was going to be on there within the first year. So um, hopefully, we won't have to wait too long for Clone Wars, but at least we'll have like weekly episodes of The Mandalorian to hold us over, and it won't just be like binge watch it all the first week and then sit and wait for Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's still that part of me that wishes I could just go through the whole series all at once <laughs> because I'm sure there's going to be cliffhanger episodes. That's going to make you want to watch the next one right away. But at the same time, I totally understand the, the points that you made too, how that's still going to be fun in itself as well. So yeah. And I think they also said again, another bit of info that wasn't at the panel, but kind of been confirmed that the season's going to consist of eight episodes. I yeah. Know I think they actually said, 10, but... I think they actually said that at the Disney plus presentation. Okay. Or at least I heard that afterwards. So, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So, yeah. So we have eight weeks of new Star Wars TV content coming to the Disney Plus service. Like you said, it sounds great. The service in itself, so much content. I mean, just 
like I said, the Star Wars, Marvel front, the Disney films, all the Pixar films are going to be on there. Mm-hmm. And then the thing that put it on the top for me is Disney really making use of the Fox acquisition. 30 seasons of The Simpsons finally being <laughs> available on a streaming platform, which they've had it on like their FX uh, app, which you still got to set through commercials and it wasn't the best app that to navigate. So <laughs> the fact that The Simpsons is going to be on there, those first 10 seasons are some of the best TV you're ever going to see as far as comedy goes. So as you can tell, I'm a big Simpsons fan. But yeah. <laughs> the fact that all this great content is going to be on one service for like $6.99 a month is just a no-brainer to me for anyone who loves this stuff to get. I mean, it just seems like such a great deal. So yeah, it's going to be awesome when it launches on November 12th. And I got to stress too, in the press release, it did make a point to say it's going to be on gaming consoles <laughs> right yeah. away, which is a big deal for me because that's how I usually watch all these different streaming service and apps that are available that have these contents. I mean, um, on my Xbox and PS4, mainly the Xbox is what I used to you know, watch Netflix, HBO Go, Amazon, all that stuff. So the fact that they made a point to say that it is going to be on consoles from day one is awesome because I've uh, had some problems with that DC Universe app not <laughs> being available on consoles. Still not, but as we're recording this episode, they finally announced it's going to be coming to Xbox this month in April, even though the program or the service launched in September. So it was a long wait, and I haven't subscribed to the service because of that because I want to enjoy the new content and shows on the TV and not just on an iPhone and app. And mm-hmm. for Disney plus, I wasn't going to wait that long. I mean, if it was not going to be on consoles right away, I probably would have to get a Roku or a Apple TV or whatever they made it available on. Cause there's no way I could not watch the Mandalorian as soon as that drops. So yeah, definitely the fact that they did confirm it's going to be on consoles right away. I don't have to worry about that, which makes me very, very happy. Yeah, no. And I'm happy about that too. Cause I have an Apple TV, but it's an older one. And so I don't know, like it usually doesn't like up to, like, I don't think it automatically adds new apps to it. And so whenever the, uh, the Disney plus app comes out, um, I don't know if I'll be able to add it to my Apple TV. So knowing that I'll at least be able to have it on my Xbox, um, you know, I have that peace of mind. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. But like you were saying, I mean, the service as a whole sounds great. I mean, the original programming that they talked about, you know, the Star Wars stuff, plus the Marvel stuff, plus a bunch of other stuff. But then the entire, you know, just the huge library of Star Wars films and Marvel films and Disney films, um, all for way lower than I thought it was going to be. Like they could have charged 15 bucks a month and I would have been like, eh, that's a little pricey, but you know what? There's new Star Wars stuff on it. So here we go. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, with how much they're charging for it, I'll just, you know, it's not even going to be like a thing where, okay, I'll subscribe for a month, watch all of the Mandalorian and then unsubscribe and then, you know, subscribe mm-hmm. again when they add new stuff. Like I'll just keep paying that. Like, cause there's, you know, I feel like enough content on there that I'll just keep watching that. Um, you know, pretty consistently. So I'm really happy about that. Yeah, that is going to be really great. I mean, Disney's, I mean, Netflix finally has some really legit competition, I think, with Disney+. Yeah, Plus. yeah well, and I've seen a lot of people being like, oh, buy Netflix, uh, mm. you know, but at the same time, I'm like with, and I know Netflix keeps raising their prices and maybe this will scare them into lowering them back down a little bit. But I feel like with the price that Disney Plus is at, like I can afford both. Um you know, and keep watching like Stranger Things and other stuff that I like watching on Netflix too. 
Um, but at the same time, once Disney Plus comes out, I am going to have to kind of evaluate, like maybe after the first couple of months, be like, okay, how much am I still watching on Netflix and how much stuff am I just watching on Disney Plus? Because, you know, even if Netflix got cheaper or something, like if I'm just watching everything on Disney Plus, maybe I will cancel it. But um, I don't know. We'll see when we get there. But at least for me, I'm like, I don't feel like it's a big competition because I can you know, I'm just glad that it's cheap enough that I can afford both and don't have to feel like, oh, I have to cancel my Netflix to be able to afford this. Yeah. And to be fair, it, you probably should expect the price to go up on Disney Plus with the years down the line. But for right oh, now, yeah. I mean, it's totally worth it. Like I said, that's a no brainer for anyone who's a fan of Star Wars and Marvel and all the Disney properties in general to get this. It's going to be so worth it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised because like, again, Netflix has done that over the years too. Mm -hmm. And I think they're probably, they probably started it surprisingly low just to get people hooked and then yeah. you know get you because there's so much competition in that space right now like there's just so many other streaming apps and paid services and stuff um and so i mean some of us who you know again if it was like 12 bucks a month or something it'd be worth it for us easily just for the new star wars stuff that's going to be on there but i think some people are going to be harder to win over and it's like okay you get in for that easy price point see how much stuff there really is on there and how much you can enjoy it and then when they start raising the price people will be like well i still want to keep it because you know there's a lot of great stuff on here and i want to keep watching so um oh and the one other thing too i don't remember if this was like an, an official announcement or if it was just kind of a rumor going around but there was word going around too that the mandalorian has already been renewed for a second season um which i don't think is a surprise to anybody um, yeah. And especially the fact that it's only eight episodes, like if it's as cool as we're hoping it is, um, I think there's going to be a lot of really awesome stuff jam packed into those eight episodes. Um, and if you think about it from the standpoint of like it's a longer format because it's live action. So really, that's the equivalent of like 16 episodes of like Clone Wars or something like that. Um, but still, like I'm going to want a second season of that and uh, keep that going. Yeah, there's also the question of too is like, is the show is going to be on Disney plus going to be like an anthology type series where it's just kind of a once and done season. Cause I think that's what they're doing with the Marvel series. At least last I heard, maybe things have changed, but I was hoping that it, it is like a normal TV show where you would get hopefully multiple seasons following these characters. So yeah, I did see that rumors and those rumblings too about it being renewed for a second season. So that's good to hear. Cause I have a feeling we're going to be wanting to see a lot more of the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, panel. yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, depending on the shows and the characters, I think there's kind of room for both, like for them to maybe do some more anthology type series. Um, and especially we talked about the rumors of there being like an Obi-Wan spinoff series, because I mean, again, there was rumors of an Obi-Wan movie being in production. Um, and now they're talking about maybe doing it as a series for Disney Plus instead and having it just be like a limited like mini series of maybe six episodes or something. And I think that would be perfect. Um because I think as much as there is room for them to like tell interesting stories with Obi-Wan on Tatooine in between uh, episodes three and four, like on the whole, he's not really supposed to be doing a whole lot aside from like watching Luke, you know? So like, that's not something mm -hmm. I would necessarily want to see be an ongoing series, but I think as a mini series, it could be really cool. Um, and maybe uh, even other like mini series that are focused on specific characters or something like that. Um, but yeah, with the Mandalorian, with the fact that it's a brand new character, it's set, five years after return of the Jedi in a time period that's relatively unexplored. Like they have room to just run with that, man. I mean, that could go on for years and just keep showing us new corners of the galaxy, new aspects of like bounty hunters and the criminal underworld and just new aspects of the galaxy in this time period that we still don't really know much about. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, if it's as good as we're all hoping it's going to be, like I say, just keep it going. Um, 
And then also real quick, um, I think this was also revealed at that uh, Disney Plus panel. So this doesn't specifically have to do with The Mandalorian, but speaking of Star Wars TV series in general, they also did confirm that Alan Tudyk is coming back to play K2SO in the Cassian series yep. that um, I think they said goes into production in... Uh, I think they... Didn't they say it goes into production in 20... Or maybe they said it goes into production this year, but I think they said it's coming in 2021. Yeah, it is right. in production this year, but it's going to be a bit of a wait. <laughs> 2021 yeah. is its premiere date yeah. or premiere year. Um, which is, I mean, I think we were hoping it would be coming out next year, but you know, we'll have to wait a little longer uh, than we hoped. But at the same time, I'm really glad that K2 is coming back. Um, I think we had kind of assumed that. Like if you're having Cassian in a show, it makes sense to pair him with K2. But at the same time, um, you know, it was like, would Alan Tudyk be willing to come back and do it? Are they going to be able to do that same level of motion capture performance on a TV budget? Um, and maybe that's part of the reason that it's going to be a little bit further out. But um, yeah, I'm just glad that they're going to be able to bring him back. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, K2 is definitely one of my favorite characters in Rogue One and one of my definitely one of my favorite droids in Star Wars overall. Like, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to compare him to you know, fan favorites like R2-D2 and C-3PO that have been around for so long. But at the same time, like, if I'm being honest, I think K2 is right up there with him. He's just so much fun for me. So I'm really excited to get to see more of him. Um, and actually during Celebration, they had uh, an interview with Alan Tudyk. Um, well, I know they did like a big panel interview with him, and I haven't watched that yet. But I he sat down with an interview with the Star Wars show uh, for a few minutes and uh, talked about um, row one and then what it's like to come back and get to work on it again. And so I think that's going to be, um, just really cool to see. And he's, you know, he seems like he's all on board with it and he wanted to make sure that he was going to be able to do it and actually come back and do the motion capture again and not just, uh, you know, record voiceover for it. And so, um, I think it's going to be really cool having him and Diego Luna together reprising those characters. Yeah, definitely good news. It was something that we were hoping for and, probably was going to be the case when the casting series was first announced but still great to finally get that confirmed and knowing that we're going to be seeing more of casting and k2so so yeah definitely good news and even though it's coming out in 2021 that's just as we're talking about with the mandalorian that just means to me anyway i'm taking it more likely that season two of the mandalorian will probably be hitting in 2020 to you know still have that star wars live action tv series content coming every year so mm -hmm. uh seems like it'll make sense if that is the plan that they're going with and as getting these different series off the ground so it should all uh, work out in the end where we're getting steady star wars live action tv content in the next few years yeah by the way i don't know we've probably talked about this before but if the mandalorian goes as well as we've planned or, or as well as we're hoping I think it's safe to say we're going to get to see Dave Filoni direct a live action Star Wars movie at some point. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, maybe it'll be still like five, 10 years down the road from now. But it seems like he's kind of on that path now that he's kind of gotten into live action directing. And he's talked about um, John Favreau kind of being a mentor to him in that process. But at the same time, he seems like he was kind of already prepared from for it from Clone Wars working with George Lucas and how, I mean, George had never done animation before and he basically looked at it like shooting a film. Yeah. Um, and so even though Dave was an animation director, he learned so much about filmmaking just from working with George on Clone Wars and now working with Jon Favreau on The Mandalorian. Um, I can't wait for the day that we get to see a live action Star Wars movie in theaters directed by Dave Filoni. And I think whenever that day comes, like I'm not trying to get too far ahead of myself here. I'm just saying 
I think as much awesome stuff as Dave has already done for Star Wars, I think there's more ahead in his future, and I can't wait to see it. Without question, I think you're absolutely right. This is just, you know, the first stepping stone for him to becoming, you know, a full-length movie director. And I don't think we're going to see any signs of a rookie director on The Mandalorian from Dave Filoni. Like you said, all that experience he had with Clone Wars, working with Lucas, like shooting it kind of like they would a live-action show or movie. I mean, he has the experience. And like I said, with John Favreau kind of being, you know, probably showing him the ropes on this one to fully become a live action director. It's, he's going to be a great <laughs> director. I have no question about that. And, you know, part of me thinks that, you know, maybe he'll get his first uh, crack at directing a live action movie for Disney plus, but then I'm thinking, I really hope he gets a wide theatrical release project to do because I want just general audiences to see the genius of Dave Filoni and mm-hmm. the storytelling ability he can bring and kind of get that record that wide base recognition that us die diehard fans uh, give him and appreciate of how much he brings to Star Wars and just to have, you know, kind of more of the casual audience get to know Dave Filoni and just, you know, how great he is at what he does, especially in the Star Wars realm, I think would be really cool. So, yeah, I definitely agree. And hopefully that happens sooner rather than later, because I think he'll just do a great job and just knock it out of the park. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, I think we've talked a good about a, a good amount about the Mandalorian without getting too much into the footage and stuff mm. like we said we'll, we'll get more into that when Paul gets back um I think we're gonna do an episode when with Paul that's just all about episode nine and the Mandalorian um and then maybe do some more celebration coverage after that but it depends on how long we spend talking about our next couple topics so let's jump over to uh the new video game that got revealed on Saturday Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order um, and this is something that I, um, you know, have been getting a lot more excited about just over the past couple of weeks as they've been talking about this panel and starting to drop some teaser images and stuff like that. Um, and so we did get a first trailer, uh, for the game at Celebration, um, story-based trailer, just kind of setting up the, the world and the story and what's going on, um, not really a whole lot of gameplay details yet and no gameplay footage. So this was another panel that I feel like people came away from maybe a little bit disappointed just that we don't have more information. But at the same time, I think the stuff that they talked about and the stuff that they did show sounds really promising. Um, But there's also a few uh, tidbits of information that I found online that weren't talked about at the panel that get me even more excited. So I'll talk about that as well. Um, But just to kind of set up the basics, I mean, we knew this was going to be a story-based action game um, set in between episodes three and four, and you're playing as a Jedi who survived Order 66. And they revealed uh, that this Jedi's name is Cal Kestis, um, that he's played by uh, Dominic... uh, No, not Dominic. uh, (laughs) Cameron Monaghan. who's uh i think probably best known as playing um jerome on gotham who's he's not actually the joker right or is he like i don't know i stopped following that show after season three but is that a convoluted story what they're doing with the joker yeah (laughs) jerome who then dies but he had a twin brother named jeremiah and now he became the real joker (laughs) oh well all i remember is that i mean he was one of the best parts of that show for me. I mean, I gave up on it after a while. It was getting a little too complicated. Um, 
But I remember the episodes he was in, I was like, this dude should, like, why are they messing around with this Jerome guy? Like, he should just straight up play the Joker in, like, a Batman series because this guy's amazing. Um, so, and obviously, I think Cal Kestis is going to be a far cry from that. He's going to be a lot more reserved and a lot less maniacal. But um, good to know that they've got, you know, a, a talented actor on board doing just, you know, the voice and the motion capture and all that kind of stuff. And he talked about, of course, how excited he is to be involved in the Star Wars universe and playing with Star Wars as a kid and all that kind of stuff. Um, but um, I know certain people, uh, including, you know, Tim and Paul, certain fans of the Darth Vader comics and of Imperial Troopers and stuff were really excited by some of the stuff they revealed, like the Purge Troopers and the Second, uh, second Sister, who's the Inquisitor, who's going to be... Um, a main villain for part of the game, um, or at, at least for what they're showing now, it seems like she's the main villain of the game, but who knows? Like, mm -hmm. I'm guessing at some point, if you defeat her, like, how is this game going to end? Are you going to defeat her and then Vader's going to show up and wipe you out? Like, I don't know. There's, they, I think they kind of teased, like, not, I wouldn't say bare bones, but a lot of the story stuff they talked about seems like it's like the very beginning of the game and, tease some things that makes it seem like this might turn into like a much bigger adventure and we have no idea where we're going to be by the end of it um but uh, tim i'll let you talk about some of that uh the imperial stuff that got you really excited that they showed yeah i mean the seventh sister or seventh sister second sister <laughs> uh, and the uh, purge troopers i was really excited to see them that they were going to be included in this game for the fact that you mentioned they are from the charles soul darth vader comic volume two which you've heard me and paul rave about so much and i loved how in the panel um everyone at respawn was saying how you know they worked hand in hand with charles soul in the stories for that marvel comic series and how they wanted that to be the space where they introduced these characters who they knew were going to be included in the game so it's just a kind of, kind of one of those nice symmetry things where um the different properties of star wars are working together to have this nice cohesive storytelling and continuity throughout the universe. So that's always appreciated on my end, but the purge troopers in particular, I was all about them reading that comic just in general. First off, they look really cool. It's almost cr a cross between clone trooper helmets mixed with, with death trooper styles with the, the black coloring on their armor and the helmet. It just looks really, really cool. So I just love their look immediately when I was reading those comics and they are, specifically used just for like the inquisitors or like the inquisitors special troopers but i love them even more and i'm going to little spoilers here on some events that happen in the darth vader comic series so if you haven't read it um it's a really cool surprise so i'd hate to ruin it for you so maybe not listen to this part but because i recommend reading those comics they're, they're phenomenal but those purge troopers um it was revealed that they're actually one of the last batches of clones still uh, remaining and the empire put them to use to be these specialty purge troopers that are working with the inquisitors. And that blew me away when I read that. I was like, Oh, this is awesome. This is such a cool way to use the remnants of the clones to be a part of the empire. And, um, I won't go into too much to what happened and what transpires with them <laughs> in that story. Hint, against it's the Jedi. awesome. Yes. <laughs> Probably so. my favorite moment from that comic so far. I haven't gotten all the way to the end yet, but like, wow. Yeah, it was genius. What Charles so decided to utilize with them. It was just great. So the fact that I saw them being used in this game, I was like, yes, that's awesome. I mean, 
the, the graphics look amazing on this game and seeing those troopers and the second sister who already have cool designs in the comic, seeing them brought to life with that game engine, it just looked amazing and it, it was awesome. So I'm really excited that they're being included in this. Now, a part of me thinks that they might not be clone troopers in the game because I mean, they haven't said specifically how, like when this takes place, we know it's between episodes three and four, but how close or how far it is between uh, Revenge of the Sith. And because the Darth Vader comic's pretty close to the events of Revenge of the Sith, it's not too long after that. So it makes sense that clone troopers would still be young enough to be utilized by the Empire as soldiers. But I get the vibe from this game that it's more closer to A New Hope than it is to Revenge of the Sith, because we do see um, classic stormtroopers walking around. But um, so, you know, the clones have age acceleration. So if this is more closer to the New Hope time period, um, clones might be too old maybe to be fighting the way these purge troopers look to be fighting in this trailer. So part of me thinks that it might not be clones. The troopers could have, you know, evolved and just uh, specialized trained soldiers to become the new purge troopers after the clones got too old. But then I think, hey, clone troopers, you know, were bred for fighting and warfare. They could continue that fight even in their old age, as we saw in Rebels with Rex and Gregor and Wolf. So they could probably still get the job done if needed to. So I'm not sure if that was what direction they're going to go. But, you know, me being a diehard clone fan, I'm really hoping that they do establish that those Purge Troopers are clones. And that would be awesome. And I think that could just play into the story of Fallen Order with uh, Cal being someone who survived Order 66. And that can good, add some more uh, dramatic elements to the story where he has to come face to face with fighting a clone trooper again. And even if they're not purge troopers, I think I just have a feeling clone clones or a clone is going to be involved in the story because they said they haven't revealed all the characters that Cal is going to be meeting throughout the game. And I think it would be kind of cool t to see him interact with a clone trooper, um, kind of have that same effect Kanan did when he first met Rex where he doesn't trust them and there was that friction between them. And um, going along with that, part of me is my main criticism, I guess I'll say of the game and the reveal about it is, is that the main story aspect about a Jedi Padawan surviving order 66 and seeing how he makes his way throughout the galaxy, leaving the Jedi way behind. It's not the most, you know, original story we've seen. I mean, I mentioned Kane and just in rebels, but also the comic that we read with Kanan that showed what he went through after Order 66 and trying to survive and hiding. So it's something that we've had seen before, a story arc that we've seen a character go through already. So that aspect of, I mean, it is something cool to see explore, explore with other characters and how they deal with that scenario. But at the same time, it's not something totally originally original that gets me super excited. Where it's like, oh, I can't wait to see how this unfolds because we've kind of seen that already with other characters and who were former Jedi. But at the, at the end of the day, once we play the game, I'm sure it's going to be totally a totally different experience that Cal is going to have that we've seen Kanan go through, So, which should make it more interesting and hopefully compelling to see play out. So that's my one knock on it. But at the end of the day, I did like what I saw. The graphics look awesome, even though we didn't get much gameplay footage. Just the setting of seeing these worlds um, be brought to life with this graphics engine looks great. I liked how Cal is someone who's kind of working on old damage, old Republic uh, ships that I guess they're salvaging. And then we see him find a, a body of a dead clone trooper. And we see the recording of Palpatine telling them to execute order 66. That looked 
really cool. So there are elements that look really, really good, even though we haven't seen gameplay elements and the story is a little familiar. There's still, I think, enough to be excited about this game. So yeah, it definitely did its job as far as, you know, finally getting to know what it's going to be about, the characters we're going to be meeting in this game. So now we just got to kind of have to wait and see what the gameplay entails for us and then just learning more about the story and new characters as they decide to reveal it, which as we said before and kind of saw playing out, E3 is probably going to be where we get the full-blown gameplay aspect of it yeah. because it seems to be following the exact same pattern of the reveal for Battlefront 2. Get the story aspects of it at Celebration, gameplay aspects of it at E3. So we'll just have to wait a few more months probably to get that element explored more. Yeah, I think for Battlefront 2, they did really reveal a little bit more information at uh, Celebration because they, even though they only showed a story trailer, like they also talked about um, how they were going back to class-based ba- class gameplay and how there were going to be space battles and heroes and, um, you know, multiple eras and all that kind of stuff that we had wanted from um, Battlefront 1. Um, but yeah, like you said, we're definitely going to find out more about this and especially more about the gameplay at uh, E3. Um, but as far as what they talked about for story-wise, I mean, I hear what you're saying about the kind of the familiar story of a Padawan surviving order 66. And I think that was why I wasn't super excited for this initially until we started getting more details and more teases and stuff. Cause I was like, I mean, I was more excited just for the fact that like they said, it's a a lightsaber combat focused action game. Um, And I feel like that was one thing that was kind of lacking from this panel and especially from this trailer. Um, I mean, I liked a lot of just the imagery that they showed in the trailer um, and kind of like we said, setting up the story and the characters and you see that Cal is like a scrapper working on um, or, you know, working on this planet that's like his whole business is like dismantling old starships from the Clone Wars era. And you see him, you know, wielding these giant lasers that are cutting apart Venator Star Destroyers and stuff. And then there's an accident where one of his co-workers, uh, you know, falls off some scaffolding or something and it seems like he's about to fall into the mouth of like a giant sea creature or something. That must um, look like a Sarlacc to me. <laughs> well, it, it did look like a Sarlacc, but actually, you know what it looked like? It looked like the the tentacle monster thing on Umbara. Oh, yeah. Um, but it also looked like maybe it was just because it was raining, but I thought they were like over an ocean. So that's why I thought, you know, maybe it's like a giant Star Wars Kraken or something. Um but then it looks like Cal, you know, as he's kind of t- reciting this mantra to himself of like, don't stand out and don't trust anyone. Um, but it looks like he's going to reach out and use the force to save this guy. And you can see like a little Imperial probe droid behind him mm-hmm. right as he's doing it that he doesn't realize is there. And so I think that's what's going to kick the whole story off and set the Empire on his tail. Um, and they revealed a couple of new characters, uh, this little droid that he has, uh, which I think they said his name like BD-1. Um, and then, um, also I forget her name, but there's a, uh, like an older woman that's like a mentor to him. And I guess she's also a former Jedi. Um, but they said that she's going to be a mentor to him kind of in a different capacity than you've seen before. So I think maybe instead of like helping him to complete his Jedi training, maybe she's going to mentor him more in terms of just like laying low and surviving, um, in this new life without being a Jedi. Um, and then, of course, we see footage of him fighting stormtroopers and fighting, you know, on the run from the Inquisitor and stuff like that. But they wait till the very end of the trailer to to show him ignite a lightsaber like real quick and then it cuts. And 
it almost seemed like that was supposed to be a surprise reveal. Like, oh, he's a Jedi? Oh, he's got a lightsaber? Like, cool, I didn't know that. But again, they've been hyping this up so far as a, a lightsaber action game that's all about lightsaber combat and playing as a Jedi. And so I would have liked to see more of that. Like, even though it wasn't showing actual gameplay and it was all kind of shot cinematically and everything... Like, even when he was fighting the Purge Trooper in the trailer, like, the, the Purge Trooper had a uh, an Electro Staff, and Cal just, like, had his hands on it like he was trying to keep him back as the Purge Trooper's, like, pushing him back. And then you see him, like, running from Stormtroopers and, like, reaching out with the Force to help himself and kind of, you know, make these big leaps and stuff. Um, but we don't see him fight with a lightsaber at all. And, again, it was just a little disappointing to me that it felt like they were... Tr like, it was the trailer was just edited in a way where that seemed like it was supposed to be a sur surprise reveal at the end that he had a lightsaber. Well, we all knew that going into it. And so I wish they had showed us more of that just to get us excited for it. Um, you know, show a clip of him having a lightsaber duel with the inquisitor or slicing up some stormtroopers or something like mm -hmm. that. Um, but as far as the story elements, so here's some, a couple blurbs that I found on starwars.com and then on the website for Jedi fallen order that they didn't actually talk about in the panel. Um, so um, just on the homepage of StarWars.com, they have Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order reveal trailer, and it says develop your Force abilities, hone your lightsaber techniques, and explore the ancient mysteries of a long-lost civilization. Um, and then on the homepage for the Jedi Fallen Order website, um, it just says become a Jedi, a new third-person action-adventure Star Wars title from Respawn Entertainment. Um, and it says... Uh, feel the force, hone lightsaber combat forms, and uh, to refine striking, blocking, and dodging your enemies. Use your Jedi weapon and the force to take on any challenge. And then it says, a new Star Wars story. As one of the last Jedi, you must do whatever it takes to survive. Complete your training before the Inquisitors discover your plan to rebuild the Jedi Order. And then it says, the galaxy awaits. Explore ancient forests, windswept cliffs, and haunted jungles as you decide when and where you want to go next. Um... And so some of that stuff has me almost more excited than the stuff that they showed in the trailer or talked about at the panel, because you talked about like wanting this to be different from Kanan's story and different from, you know, some other just kind of um, traditional stories that we've heard about uh, Jedi surviving Order 66. And the fact that they talk about exploring an ancient civilization, having plans to rebuild the Jedi Order, and then getting to explore the galaxy. And it sounds like we'll probably get to visit a lot of new locations in this game that we haven't seen before in Star Wars. Those are all things that get me really excited. Um, not to mention the lightsaber combat aspect of it. And they actually mention here hone lightsaber combat forms. Um, and that's something that's kind of been talked about in Legends where, you know, certain Jedi will focus more on like, you know, the Ataru form or the Sarisu form or whatever. Like there's like seven different forms of lightsaber combat that all have different focuses on like offense or blocking or agility or whatever. Um, and so for them to possibly bring that element into the game and have you, you know, maybe pick, uh, you know, one lightsaber form that you want to focus on and have that affect your combat style. I think that sounds like a lot of fun and I can't wait to find out more about that, but also, you know, that stuff had me more intrigued about the story as well. So, um, all that gets me really excited for it. Yeah. I'm definitely with you on the aspect of saying explore ancient civilization. That could be really exciting. Maybe you get to see more in canon stories as far as Old Republic era or way back ancient Jedi, first Jedi maybe. Could you know how much I'm dying to find out more about the origins of the Jedi? So that would be cool. And it does look like at the end of the trailer where he picks up that lightsaber, it does, you know, kind of have a 
ancient feel to the hilt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the hilt does have that ancient feel to it, I should say. Um, maybe it'll be a he'll find a crossblade lightsaber too, like Kylo Ren. <laughs> I don't hey, know. Even though the one he seen in the trailer ignites doesn't look like it's crossbladed, but if he's exploring ancient civilization, maybe he'll come across one. So that's really cool. But I will say the part where you mentioned about trying to rebuild the Jedi Order, that doesn't get me excited too much because, you know, seen a little bit that uh, more of a similarities with Kanan and Ezra. And then we just know that's not going to be the case. We know Luke is the one who decides to truly try to rebuild the Jedi Order. So to see them kind of go that route, but knowing that it's something that's not going to be done or it's going to fail, it almost seems like an opportunity or a part of the story they shouldn't even bother exploring in my opinion i like what you were saying how he comes in with that other character who was a former jedi knight and trying to maybe instead of go the opposite route not to rebuild the order but try to learn how to live you know with the jedi way but not exposing yourself and becoming like living your life in the galaxy but not necessarily in hiding as well because that would be a more interesting route for me or for them to explore for me personally instead of them trying to rebuild the order, which, you know, is something that I'm sure uh, most uh, Jedi who come to contact with each other and know there's others out there wants to do. But at the same time, again, we've seen that before, even a little bit in the Darth Vader comic as well. So I don't know, that part doesn't excite me too much. I'd rather them go in a different direction and maybe it won't be a focal point or a big focal point of the story. Maybe it's something they mentioned, but quickly realize that that's not the direction they should go and they should go another way and it would make for a more different story so um who knows but at the same time doesn't necessarily get me too excited to see that explored more because we have seen it before so um but yeah i'm all about that ancient civilization stuff and learning more about the history of the jedi that should be really cool well and i think the thing that maybe excites me more is like how that's going to all tie together because if it was like a jedi being like hey let's go back to coruscant like retake the jedi temple and you know we're just going to rebuild the jedi order the way it was that wouldn't get me excited at all Um, but the fact that they're talking about exploring ancient civilizations tied with trying to rebuild the Jedi order, I'm like, well, maybe they're going to try to rebuild like a Jedi enclave or something like on some ancient mysterious planet. And I'm not saying it's something that's going to be so secluded and whatever that like they survive into the time of the original trilogy, because I still want like Luke and Obi-Wan and Yoda to be like the last of the Jedi, um, I just think there's a lot of room and I, I get excited anytime I hear people talk about, you know, exploring ancient civilizations and stuff, especially in Star Wars. Um, I'm thinking maybe they could go back to Tython, which like in the Old Republic is like the ancient homeworld of the Jedi. Um, and so, I mean, I know that's a story that's kind of been done before. I just feel like there's a lot of room for them to maybe do that in ways that we haven't seen before. Um, I'm just excited for like the possibilities of where they could go with it outside of just what we've seen in the trailer and what they talked about at the panel. Cause like I said, that all felt very introductory. Um, just the fact that like you're a Padawan, you survived order 66, you're on the run. Inquisitors are after you. I'm like, okay, we've seen that a lot before. Like you said, we see that in the Vader comics. We've seen that in rebels. Like, how are you going to take it in a different direction and make it new? So, um, I'm hoping that this is like a lengthy meaty game and they haven't, um, announced like how long the campaign is going to be yet. They did announce that this is a strictly single player game, all just action and story focused. And there's no multiplayer. There's no microtransactions. They don't even have plans for DLC. Um, Oh, wow, I didn't hear that. Well, that was actually, uh, so one of the guys, uh, this guy named Jay, who's one of the community managers, 
for um, the EA Star Wars games. I follow him because he tweets a lot of updates about Battlefront and stuff. Um, but I think just this morning he tweeted and said, like, okay, now that uh, Fallen Order has been revealed, we can answer some questions about it. Um, and somebody asked, is there, are there plans for DLC? And he said, like, as far as I know, right now there's no plans for DLC because they want this game to be, like, as self-contained as possible. Um, I think all they have as far as extra stuff is you can already pre-order the game, and there is, like, a deluxe edition that I think just comes with some extra cosmetic items like outfits and maybe lightsaber modifications and stuff for your character. And then also I think includes some um, like behind the scenes featurettes about the making of the game and stuff like that. Um, so that's nice that like you have that option to get some extra material, but not, I mean, obviously there's no multiplayer, so it's not like you get extra weapons or anything that's going to give you an advantage over people or make the game unfair or anything like that. Um, yeah, but, that's interesting because that might sound like a negative that there's no DLC, but actually I'm kind of excited about that because almost going back to old school gaming where we didn't have DLC and the game you got is what you got. <laughs> like the game you get is what you got at the end of the day when you're done playing it. And hopefully, like you said, that means it is going to be a lengthy and meaty story experience because you're right. They were really hyping that up, like even before the panel saying how it's strictly single player, no microtransactions. I mean, that's all good news to me because we talked about before how you know we've been missing a just a straightforward story-driven single-player star wars game and the fact that that is the main focus is really cool so i'm actually excited about that and hopefully it's the length of red dead redemption 2 because that is a long oh yeah that's a long story. game yeah but very satisfying so <laughs> if fallen order is anywhere close to that length it should be really cool probably not but um, hopefully, you know, longer than some of the previous recent Star Wars single player games we got, like Battlefront 2's campaign or even the Force Unleashed. I mean, oh, God, that single player campaign for Battle or Force Unleashed 2. <laughs> Talk oh. about a blink of an eye. Yeah, I think that campaign is probably about four hours or so. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> the first game was probably a solid like eight to ten or so. Um, but I'm I'm hoping that Fallen Order is longer than that. I mean, I would say. Just my guess, like, I'm like, as long as it's at least 10 hours, I would be satisfied with that because I don't want to get my hopes up too high. But I'm hoping it's a good, like, 15 to 20 at least. Yeah. Um, and maybe even longer than that because, I mean, we know it's not an open world game. I think part of the reason that Red Dead Redemption 2 is so long is, like, there's so many side quests and there's this big open world. You can kind of take it at your own pace. Um But, I mean, I know there is a lot of story content to that as well, but it's like you can rush through like just the main story missions if you want or you can just take your time and enjoy everything um and they do say in this like uh they said you can decide when and where you want to go next and so um they haven't really talked at all about there being any kind of like open world component to it but that makes me think that at least there'll be a little bit of exploration to it um but yeah i don't know like i'm i like i said we really know nothing as far as gameplay and especially uh you know, like exploration and what these environments are going to be like, um, aside from just the environments that we've seen in the trailer. So, um, I can't say I'm like completely blown away at this point or like super hyped about it just because we still don't know a whole lot, but I will definitely be, uh, watching their career with great interest, uh, when, <laughs> uh, E3 comes around and we get, um, a lot more gameplay footage and details about Fallen Order. Yeah, I think that's really going to be, you know, the telling point as far as how excited we're going to be about the game once we see that gameplay. Because even though 
certain story beats and the setting is familiar to us as Star Wars fans, it could be a unique style gameplay experience we haven't had as Star Wars fans and gaming fans, which could be really cool. So um, they were teasing the combat to be something really cool and innovative. I believe they were referring to it as thoughtful combat. Yeah. So it's not somewhere you're just going to be button mashing the X button or the A button <laughs> to swing your lightsaber and attack stormtroopers. There's going to be more thoughtfulness to it and planning your attacks. So probably more on the Batman Arkham games front, but maybe a little more evolved from that as well too. So yeah, it should be exciting. Um, Definitely glad we got more info on the game. Now we just got to wait to see how it's all going to play when we get that controller in our hands. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to one of our favorite things to talk about. Um, yes. The long-awaited return of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Um, my goodness. I like, <laughs> And we – okay, so we, we said at the beginning this was going to kind of be a quick recap of everything. I know we're almost at two hours already, but you know what? We've done three-hour episodes in the past. We're just going to go full on talk about everything they talked about with this Clone Wars panel. Um, and gosh, I guess we can start just by talking about the – there's there's so much stuff I want to just jump ahead and geek out about. Um you guys know how much Tim and I are both just huge Clone Wars fans and we're so excited when they announced that the show was coming back. So we know we're getting 12 episodes. It's coming on Disney Plus sometime in the future. Um, we know what those episodes are now. So obviously we're getting the Siege of Mandalore. We're getting the Bad Batch arc. And we are not getting the Utapau arc. We're actually getting uh, the arc about Ahsoka... Um, after she leaves the Jedi Order and kind of trying to survive on her own in the Coruscant underworld. Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, and I'm glad that, like, I, I, actually, I'm glad that we're getting an arc that we haven't seen before. Yeah. Um, and as much as I actually think the Utapau episodes are really good and there's some great just kind of banter between Anakin and Obi-Wan and some really cool action scenes, um, but, you know, we have seen those stories in some form. Same with the Bad Batch. But, I mean, they're such, like, fan favorites by this point. And I think it makes sense for them to just do one last really cool, like, clone-centric action movie kind of story arc. Um, so I'm glad we're getting that one. And then I'm glad we're just getting four new episodes that we haven't seen before in these Ahsoka ones. Um, and they showed a clip from each arc. Uh, from the Bad Batch, they showed the uh, the clip where... Um, after their ship is crashed and like there's an army of droids marching towards them and Rex is kind of trying to like get everybody in defensive formation and be like, all right, form up and, you know, we're going to wait for them to come to us. And Hunter is like, nah, Captain, that's not our style. All right, Bad Batch, do this thing. And they like Wrecker <laughs> oh, just so grabs cool. the door off the crashed gunship and they charge forward and they're just taking out these droids and just doing their thing and just really clicking as a squad. And it's like, man, I'm so glad they're doing this one because again, just watching those animatic story reels. And we were there when they showed those for the first time at Celebration Anaheim. Um, and then, of course, you know, you can go back and rewatch them online now. Like, it just, that was really cool just by itself. Yeah. Um, but it looks so much better seeing it, you know, fully rendered with the lighting and everything. And it's, um, you know, one thing I didn't realize from the story reels is like how dark that planet was going to be like the whole mm. the sky looks like it's on fire almost like it's a very like dark reddish hue and it looks like it's maybe evening time when they're going out on this mission. So just really cool to see everything finished with the lighting and the textures and everything um, and finally getting to see the Bad Batch in action, uh, you know, in their finished form. Um, 
man, even though we know how those episodes play out, it's going to be so much fun just to get to watch those uh, the way they were originally intended. Man, it's like wish fulfillment seeing that sequence as a clip because you're absolutely right. As we were watching those episodes at Celebration Anaheim and just geeking out even at that unfinished animation quality, it was still cool to see. And all I kept thinking about as I was seeing it, oh man, this is awesome, but if only they got a chance to finish it. How much more amazing this would be seeing these new batch of clone troopers whose armors are different, but they look so cool. And I can't imagine how awesome they would have looked seeing it with finished animation. And boom, here we are four years later and it looks amazing <laughs> and it was so cool to see in its finished animated form the bad batch look even cooler than i imagine they would be with their finished animation it just looks so so cool seeing it be brought to life i mean well not brought to life but animation <laughs> or animated life i should say but it was just got me so excited just to see new clone wars footage again and I believe that was the first clip they showed at the panel. And mm -hmm. it just took me back to those early celebrations, even though I wasn't there, but just anticipating the Clone Wars panel because that was the new Star Wars content that we were getting at the time before uh, we got the new movies. And it was so exciting to get a trailer for a new season and clips from new episodes from upcoming arcs. So it just took me back to those days and those good times of just geeking out about over new Clone Wars footage and content and this was no exception. It just felt good knowing that it's been so long that we've gotten that from Clone Wars and to have that back again at a celebration was so cool. But this clip in particular, like I said, being a kind of a wish fulfillment thing where I never thought I was going to see the Bad Batch um, be a finished Clone Wars episode. And even though we haven't seen the entire four episode arc again in its finished animated form, just seeing this one clip, because that scene was a standout from that entire arc because that was the first time we got to see the Bad Batch in combat and they were impressive just showing how efficient they were and how more raw they were and just take, getting the job done and taking out the battle droids. It was just so cool to see and man, just everything I was hoping it would be as I was sitting in Anaheim watching those episodes wishing that these episodes could have been finished and now that we're seeing what the finished product looked like. I could not be happier. I cannot wait to see those that whole arc all over again um, in a whole new way, seeing it as it was meant to be seen as fully completed episodes of the Clone Wars. It was just a really cool thing to see and a great way to not kick off the panel, but kick off the new footage we were going to see throughout the panel. It was just so awesome. It was just, you know, I imagine it being a big crowd cheering moment at being at the panel. I wanted to do the same as I was watching it <laughs> on my TV. It was just really cool to see. Yeah, definitely. And, and before we go on with the footage and the clips and stuff that they showed, I just have to say this might have, I, this probably was my favorite panel overall that I got to watch. Um, just in terms of like the people that were on it and the interaction between all of them. Um, just because Clone Wars is so like near and dear to me. I mean, I would say the Mandalorian panel was a lot of fun too. Heck, they were all fun. Um, but just so they had uh, Dave Filoni and then um, Sam Witwer and Ashley Eckstein and D. Bradley Baker um, were on the panel for the majority of it. And like the first like 15 minutes of the panel, they didn't even talk about anything Clone Wars or like show any new stuff. They were all like uh, Warwick Davis hosted it and he asked each of the cast members 
uh, how they first found out that Clone Wars was coming back. And they're just like goofing off and telling stories <laughs> about, you know, D. Bradley Baker like texted Ashley Eckstein about it before Dave Filoni had gotten to talk to her and kind of, you know, so they're just sharing all these fun stories while Dave is sitting there shaking his head at these guys. <laughs> Pulling um, his hat down over his eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, like, it was so just so much fun. And again, like I could see like if somebody only cared about the show itself, and, you know, you could be like, oh, get on with it. I want to see new stuff already. But like, because and I feel like this is one of the things I love about Clone Wars so much. This was the first show that I ever watched that I especially an animated show that I really got invested in, like the people behind the show um, and, you know, started following all these voice actors on social media and watched all these panels and interviews with Dave Filoni and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so to see these guys on stage just talking about it, like even before they actually showed anything or, or gave any new details or anything, just to, to see them together again as a group, um, and hear them talking about making this thing that we all love, um, just that in and of itself was special. Um, but then, and then later they had the entire cast come out. Um, they had, uh, Matt Lanter and James Arnold Taylor and Kat Tabor and Tom Kane and Matthew Wood. Uh, came out and joined them all together, all on stage, and we got to see the entire cast of Clone Wars together. Um, and it was just such a special moment. There, there was one moment in particular that, for whatever reason, like almost got me choked up. Like, and it was because again, you know, Sam Witwer and Ashley Eckstein and and D. Bradley Baker are already sitting there on the couch, and then the rest of the castmates come out, and you see them all like greeting each other and hugging each other and stuff. And Matt Lanter goes up to D. Bradley Baker, and he just salutes him like the yes. way that Rex would Anakin. <laughs> and I just, ah, oh, I couldn't handle it, man. <laughs> and I was yeah, like, I'm like, why cool. am I getting this emotional about like a freaking cartoon and like two guys that I've never never met? And he just salutes the other guy, and like you know, but it's just like when you follow star Wars and clone wars as closely as we have for so many years, just a small gesture like that just means so much. And I was like, Oh, like, I'm just glad they <laughs> captured that on camera on the live stream. Cause yeah. man, that was just so good. And just, again, just so cool to see the entire cast united out there again and celebrating the return of this thing that we all love so much. Without a doubt. I mean, you were saying how maybe fans just of the actual show would say, you know, hurry up, let's get to the clips and trailer and all that stuff. But I feel it's like you can't love one without the other. It's almost like you yeah. love Clone Wars, you love the cla the cast and crew behind it. Because exactly. it's just so integral to each other. And you just see, you know, the love and that family element they all have. It just feels so genuine. I mean, the fun that they were having between Ashley Eckstein and Dee Bradley Baker with uh, the text exchange and talking about the trust tree being broken and <laughs> yeah. all that stuff. I mean, it's just really, really cool to see. And the fact that, you know, it's been, what, the 11 years since uh, Clone Wars first aired, but they've been working yeah. on it as since 2006, I believe Ashley Eckstein says. So, I mean, it's just great that they're back doing this. And even though it's just going to be for 12 more episodes, I think that was pretty much confirmed too, how it's not going to be where this is, the first of more seasons this really is going to wrap it up it is going to be the last season because mm -hmm. siege of mandalore is going to be that last clone wars story so it's just so cool that they got to come back and finish the story that they started all those years ago and end it on the way that it was supposed to be and yeah there's going to be some story arcs that we know about that aren't going to be included but the big thing is that it's ending the way it's intended to with the siege of mandalore and everyone is just super excited about that and it just shows 
seeing all the members of the voice cast come on screen and just saying how great it is to be back and working with each other again to finish this amazing series. So yeah, it was just great. And it really does feel, you know, like I said, you love the show, you love the cast and crew behind it because they're just such an integral part to it as, as to why it's so good. And that was another cool moment as I think Warwick Davis asked them, you know, what do you feel has made Clone Wars become such a favorite amongst fans and, you know, lasted this long? And James Arnold Taylor just goes, Dave Filoni. <laughs> and Dave Filoni thought, oh, you just need, want me to explain why? And then he goes, no, it's because of you. And Dave, mm -hmm. you know, the humble guy that he is, is saying, no, come on, guys, that's not it. No, no, no. But, you know, Dave is the big driving force, but it's everyone amongst that cast and the crew. And, you know, coming all coming from George Lucas and Dave Filoni always stressing that, that this was, you know, a lot of this is all because of George. And it just, we put all those elements together. That's why the show is as amazing as it is and why we love it so much and are so happy that it is back and we're going to get to see new episodes so it was just great that panel encompassed all of that it was just really really cool to see like you said yeah definitely i mean i would have been really happy with, i mean look i i wanted to see new footage and see a trailer obviously but i still would have been really happy just seeing that panel and seeing you know the the cast interact with each other and talk about their characters and just celebrate the fact that clone wars is coming back again um, but then of course the new stuff that we did get to see was amazing. Um, and so then the next clip that they showed was from that Ahsoka arc and you see her on a speeder bike, like flying kind of over the surface of Coruscant. And then she descends down that big tunnel hole thing that we've seen in previous episodes that kind of descends down to the lower levels of Coruscant. Um, and she's in this like almost like mechanic looking jumpsuit, um, and, you know, really just kind of stressing that, like, she's left the Jedi, like, she's not in her Jedi outfit anymore. She's just, you know, she's on her own trying to adjust to civilian life. Um, and then this bike starts failing on her and the engine starts going out and she's falling and crashing into other people's speeders and running along the side of the wall and stuff. And this was actually a clip that they had showed at a previous celebration, um, I forget if it was the one we went to or if it was a different one, but it was, um, you know, they didn't show the whole episode, but they had showed this clip in its like unfinished form. Um, and it was just one of the stories that they were talking about um, as like a potential story idea that or like, a, a you know, one of the unfinished episodes or stories that we would have gotten to see. Um, and so it's cool that we'll be able to get that story uh, fully realized now. Um, and I think there'll be a lot of cool stuff in here that we haven't seen before. Because um, this clip, I mean, especially since we'd already seen this clip, I was like, oh, okay, you know, it's Ahsoka, she's falling on a speeder bike, whatever. Um, and not that it wasn't cool to see, but like, you know, it wasn't the most exciting clip in the world. But I think mm -hmm. it just kind of sets up with how she gets to where she's at, you know, down in the, the chorus on Underworld. And then they talked about these um, two sisters that she meets up with, um, that she kind of befriends, and they take her in, and she's kind of learning to survive on her own and without the Jedi way. Um, but then I think in the trailer they showed later, there's a line from one of those sisters who says something about like, you know, it's hard to survive down here. So it's a good thing I've got a ship and you see them going off world. And so maybe they'll end up going on some adventures on some other planets, um, in this arc too. So I'm looking forward to seeing where they go with that. And I think it makes a lot of sense that they brought this one back. Um, and this was one that like, I had a feeling that if they didn't do the Utapau arc, that this is one of the ones they might do because I feel like, um, 
you know, it could be kind of important to bridge that gap between where Ahsoka was when she left the Jedi Order and where she's going to be, where we see her in Siege of Mandalore, and then kind of continuing to develop that character between, like, the Ahsoka that we see in Clone Wars and the Ahsoka that we see in Rebels, and just kind of seeing her grow and change and some of the lessons that she learns along the way. So I'm looking forward to that one, too. Um, and... uh Oh, and also I think I think it's also a, a brief clip in the trailer where you see her down in the criminal underworld or the underworld on Coruscant and she's like maybe running from some gangsters or something and she bumps into yeah, the pikes, I think. Or... Yeah, yeah. She's running from the pikes, but she like bumps into a Mandalorian. who I'm not sure if it's actually Bo-Katan or if it's just another one of her, uh, you know, those female Mandalorians that have like the owl kind of looking helmet mm. um, who maybe like is a scout for Bo-Katan or something like that. So I think... Um, this story is also going to have some direct ties to Siege of Mandalore, and we're going to maybe see um, how she gets in contact with Bogatan in the first place. And Dave Filoni did say that um, since they're revisiting Clone Wars after so many years, and since he's already done stuff with Ahsoka in Rebels, and there was that Ahsoka novel that came out, that he went back and tweaked some of these episodes a little bit, and maybe changed some things in the story to kind of better line up with uh, with rebels and some of the other stories that have been told since then. Um, and so I couldn't help but wonder if like, Oh, maybe that's one of those changes that they made to like make this episode or make this series of episodes directly tie into siege of Mandalore. Um, instead of having it just be about, you know, Ahsoka on her own on Coruscant and, and that kind of stuff. Um, he also did say that the bad batch is going to be out of all the episodes, the one that are like the most faithful to how they originally would have been, um, if they had done this during the original run of Clone Wars. But um, regardless, I mean, part of me is like, eh, but I want to see these like just as Clone Wars episodes, like the way they would have been. But at the same time, he said, you know, obviously these changes are probably for the better. Um, yeah. And they're, you know, implementing stuff that he's learned now, um, you know, over the course of doing Rebels and all this other stuff. So, um, you know, I'm just trusting that it's just going to be for um, for the best uh, story possible. Yeah, and I found that interesting that, he did say that how they were going to tweak certain elements of the arc that, that was originally planned. And I thought the same thing about seeing the Mandalorians on Coruscant. And obviously that's going to lead to Ahsoka uh, joining up with them on Mandalore. So it's going to be cool to see that play out. And I think another change um, from that Coruscant arc that we're going to see with Ahsoka is that um, when they first showed that clip in the story reel unfinished animatic form, she, uh, she crashes. And I believe the main focus of that story was going to she she was going to meet this guy who she was going to befriend and maybe kind of I forget if they really hinted that maybe start like forming romantic feelings for each other but yeah they kind of said it was like maybe not that they were going to be in a full-blown relationship but that it was basically going to be yeah. like the closest thing to a boyfriend that Ahsoka was going to have yeah and kind of like how that would be something she could explore now that she's not part of the Jedi Order anymore so that element's totally out of there as they're introducing uh, these two sisters named Trace and uh, Rafa. So um, that's a change there. And just even getting this arc when it was announced, it was surprising to me because, as we talked about before, I was pretty much just dead set on thinking that we're getting Siege of Mandalore and the two um, arcs that we've seen in unfinished animation form, Utapau and the Bad Batch. So the fact that when Dave said this, I was like, oh, cool. Um, we are going to get something we haven't seen before. And there is a part of me that's thinking if only they were doing that Boba Fett arc. But mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think it is still cool anyway that we're getting something new that I wasn't expecting. But yet, as you were talking about, something that's going to be pretty integral, I think, 
to Ahsoka's story and the Siege of Mandalore and the lead up to that. So it definitely makes sense that this is why Dave decided to include this story here. And I really like what he said about it, how it's really kind of be the beginning of Ahsoka becoming who she is once we see her as Fulcrum in Rebels and, you know, how she's learned to, you know, be that different character than what we first saw her in the first five seasons of Clone Wars. So it's going to be kind of nice to see that bridge from those two different eras of Ahsoka in that arc, as well as leading into the Siege of Mandalore. So, yeah, it's cool on a lot of fronts that we're getting the story arc. One, because it was surprising. I didn't think we were going to get it. And the second being how it's probably going to add so much more to Ahsoka's, to Ahsoka's character and just make us love her even more and seeing that progression and arc that she goes through over the course of, uh, you know, not only Clone Wars, but Rebels as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, of course, we come to the last arc, the Siege of Mandalore. Um, and, you know, Dave talked about, too, how this one, like, I guess they maybe they never even finished the story on this one because it was kind of so far out at the time, even when Clone Wars was canceled. Um, but he showed some more sketches that we've seen before, but ones that he said, you know, he had drawn in the initial me story meetings with George about how they were going to um, have this all play out and that he kept as much of that as possible and he wanted it to be, uh, you know, authentic to like what George would have done. And um, man, I'm just so excited to see what this is all about. Like Sam Whitmer said, when he got the script for it, he was like shocked and he was like, no, yeah. and I'm not just saying that like, Oh, you guys are going to love it. Like you're going to be excited. He's like, no, I was shocked. <laughs> um, which has me really excited because like, as much as I'm excited for it, I kind of feel like we have like the, the basic elements of it. Like we know that Obi-Wan and Anakin are supposed to mm -hmm. go liberate. Like Darth Maul gets back to Mandalore, gets his, clutches around it again obi-wan and anakin are supposed to lead a republic force to go liberate it but at the last minute they get called away to go rescue the chancellor on coruscant and so this is gonna line up right with episode three and so they leave some clone troopers behind with ahsoka to go carry out that mission and deal with mandalore and ahsoka ends up fighting maul and then in the middle of that like order 66 goes down and rex helps ahsoka escape and we don't know how it all wraps up we don't know everything that happens on Mandalore along the way. But um, I don't know, just the fact that that it seems like there's still some really big surprises in store. And again, I'm not saying I feel like I know all the story um, or that I'm not excited for it, certainly, because I still just I can't wait to actually see that story unfold and not just know little bits and pieces of it. But to know that there are still just some huge surprises in store um, I just can't wait to see it. I feel like there's going to be like a really massive battle on Mandalore too, not just an mm -hmm. epic lightsaber duel, but um, in the trailer that they showed later, I mean, you see like Republic gunships and ones carrying walkers and stuff, like all flying towards Mandalore. And then they get attacked in the air by Mandalorians wearing jetpacks, And Ahsoka is like fighting them inside the gunship and just doing some really cool moves. Um, I keep jumping to the trailer. I was going to save that for the end. We'll talk just about that. But um, just the story arc in general, I'm just I'm so excited that after all these years, we're finally going to get to wrap this up. Um, and I'm so glad that they're able to come back and do it the way that they wanted to. I mean, even Sam Whitmer talked about for so many years, he's been bugging Dave Filoni about it and wanting to know, like, what's the siege of Mandalore? What's the siege mm -hmm. of Mandalore? What happened? Um and Dave talking about how, you know, obviously the reason that he would never reveal that is because he was hoping that one day they would get to, uh, you know, be able to tell that story in um, 
you know, either on screen or just in, in a way that would be uh, satisfying for the fans. And obviously they never put that out as like a comic or a, a novel or anything like that. Um, but uh, what I love most about Dave Filoni talking about it is how he said out of all the stories he has, this is the one he's thought about the most mm -hmm. for the last decade, just knowing how important that is to him and how he wants it to be told because he realizes, you know, it's the, it marks the end of the clone wars, this big event in the history of star Wars. This is the end of it. So he knows he wants to do it justice and have it be done right as well. So I just love the idea that it's been constantly on his mind for like the past decade, as he said, and just, you know, and at the same time too, kind of tweaking it a little bit here and there, like he said, to fit it with the stories that's come afterwards. And one example is that just even the look of Maul, how he wanted to, have him look more like how he did in Solo with his outfit. And I'm wondering if even some story beats here or there will hint at him, you know, starting up Crimson Dawn or just adding elements to make you think, okay, this makes sense to where he went, how he uh, winds up when we see him in Solo. Yeah, so, possibly. And then even Sam Weber, like you mentioned, how shocked he was and just him talking about there's a moment, you know, where Darth Maul looks to another way because he keeps talking about how it's this constant cycle that he's trying to achieve, but he always gets close but falls right back down. And how there's a moment where he looks to go about it a different way. <laughs> and you know, Dave teases him, "Oh, so you know, you went right to the edge there about <laughs> yeah. saying what you could and about what's going to happen." But it just all sounds so cool. And just again, I love how important it is to Dave and how he really wants to make sure he gets this right. And even talking about bringing the series back in general, how he said, "Yeah, I'd love to do it, but..." I don't know if we can and just really stressing that if we're going to do Clone Wars again, it has to be exactly like we did it before. That same high quality level that he knows uh, us fans expect it to have. And I love how he even said, too, it ends up being better than what they did before on Clone Wars as far as um, how it looks and the animation quality for it. So, yeah, it's man, I can't wait to see this arc. <laughs> yeah. And I have the best thing they've ever done. And I'm believing them <laughs> once they're hyping it up as that. And I think it's really going to deliver. Yeah. I have no doubt. Like, and especially talking about just wanting to make sure they were able to do the show. Right. And, you know, he said they have, well, I mean, obviously not the exact same crew working on it, but he said they had enough people that had worked on mm -hmm. Clone Wars initially that they were able to, um, you know, kind of have some of that carry over and then teach the the new people um, that like, hey, this is how we do it. And that it's it's different from Rebels, like the scale is just so much bigger. And I just really appreciated that, that like, especially not only the fact that it's Clone Wars coming back, but like you said, the Siege of Mandalore has to be this big epic thing. Like they have to do it on a huge scale. Um and just and not only doing it the way they did it before, but he even talked about how some of the lessons that he learned working on Rebels and stuff and some of the ways that the technology has improved over the last few years that they've been able to make some adjustments and improvements to the way they do things on Clone Wars. And he talked about specifically with like the character models and the facial animations and stuff, and they've tweaked those to make the characters look a little bit more natural and a little bit more um, expressive. And I could even tell that just from these clips. And again, especially from the trailer that I really just want to explode about right now, but I'm trying to be structured <laughs> and we'll, we'll just save the We're trailer for a little bit later. Um, but it looks incredible. And even just in some of these clips, seeing the characters just, you know, talking and stuff like, I feel like in general, like I think Clone Wars 
had w- was better visually than Rebels, and especially because I feel like they had oh, a yeah, lot. They, well, and they had a lot more going on. You know, anytime there were battle scenes, like you had way more clones and droids on screen in Clone Wars than you ever had. Uh, you know, like Rebels fighting stormtroopers and stuff. Um, but also just you know the the lighting and the environments and stuff. They were able to just do so much more dynamic things on Clone Wars. But one thing that I did like about Rebels is I felt like the characters were a little bit more fluid and definitely more expressive in their faces to a point where sometimes it could be a little cartoony, but I feel like that was kind of by design because of the animation style of Rebels and because, you know, it was kind of aimed at a little bit younger audience. Um, but just in general, I felt like the the characters were a little bit more... Uh, just the animations of like the, just the facial features and the, the emotions and stuff were a little bit more fluid and natural than uh, some of the stuff on Clone Wars was. And I felt like just watching some of this new Clone Wars footage, it was like a perfect blend of both. Like you could tell that they went back to the way that they did Clone Wars, ramped it up even further and added a couple elements that did work well on Rebels to like make Clone Wars even better. And I think this is just going to look incredible. Like the stuff that they mm-hmm. that we see in the trailer at the end is like some of the best looking animated footage I've ever seen. Like it's, and it's just, not even being shown in the best quality either because they still haven't released the trailer just on its own and was yeah you know, good high definition quality. It's just taken from the stream, which always isn't the best uh, things are going to look. So, but even then, it looks great, like you said. So I can't wait to see it. <laughs> and it's you know great HD glory either on a computer or just when it finally gets released on Disney Disney Plus. Yeah, definitely. Um, but a couple other things going back to Siege of Mandalore. Um, we'll talk about the clip in a second, but I just wanted to mention the fact that Dave Filoni said that uh, the final lightsaber duel between Ahsoka and Maul in Clone Wars, he said he really wanted to like go big with it because it's, you know, the finale, it's like the final duel. And he said, you know, we've had some cool stuff with... Uh, you know, Maul and with lightsaber duels and stuff in Clone Wars before. But he said he wanted this to basically be the complete opposite of the Obi-Wan and Maul duel in Rebels um, and have this just be a huge epic fight. And he was like, what better way to do that than to talk to somebody who has done lightsaber fighting? And so he went to Ray Park. And at first I thought he was so going to cool. say just like talk to him about you know, his fighting style from uh, all or whatever. But no, they freaking filmed Ray Park in a motion <laughs> capture suit doing Maul's moves for this final duel with Ahsoka in Clone Wars, which, I mean, makes me think, like, obviously Ashley Eckstein isn't a fighter, you know, a martial artist or anything, but did they have, like, another martial artist or stunt person or something that he was fighting against to do Ahsoka's moves too? Or is, you know, did they just animate her to kind of match up with whatever Ray Park was doing? But regardless, like only Dave Filoni would go to that level of detail. <laughs> like it's an animated show. Just animate Darth Maul doing some cool fight moves. But no, like, and especially he talked about how this was after, I guess he had already been working on the Mandalorian. And so he was kind of in that realm of like, you know, live action. And so he's like, yeah, why not just like shoot this like live action and do like motion capture and have an actual actor doing this performance. Like, see, this is why Dave Filoni is going to direct star Wars movies and like be the next George Lucas at some point. Um, the guy's a freaking genius and like, he's a really good storyteller, but also knows how much this stuff matters to the fans and just will go out of his way and do like, cause again, he could not do this and we would all still love these episodes. But the, yeah. the fact that he wanted to go to that level of detail and authenticity, just like, 
Like, I'm going to love the episodes that much more. Like, even if I don't even notice any difference in Maul's movement, just knowing that it's Ray Park doing those movements and that Dave Filoni cared enough to put that in there, just, like, holy crap, man. Like, like, I don't know. It's <laughs> I, I'm at a loss for words, like, just I how mean, incredible that is. Yeah, I mean, just, we got to echo what the fans did after the trailer and the panel ended. They just started chanting, thank you, Dave. I yeah, mean, <laughs> That's yeah. all we could say. And you're absolutely right. Because at first, when he said that about bringing on someone who knows about lightsaber combat, I thought he was going to mention uh, Nick Gallard, the stunt coordinator for the prequel trilogy. Yeah. Who choreographed the Darth Maul fight, which would have been cool to have him, like, you know, be an advisor or whatnot. But no, Ray Park, <laughs> the actual Darth Maul. The guy who did all his fighting moves, which were so awesome in The Phantom Menace. It's just amazing that he's doing that. And I like what he says, and this is how I feel about Star Wars. He doesn't uh, differentiate between animation and live action. I mean, he has to sometimes for technical reasons, but he just says it's all Star Wars. And that's how he views these things. Let's get the live action Darth Maul here to mocap and do the movements for the animated Darth Maul. It's just awesome. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. Like you say, he just goes that extra level. And it's just really appreciated. And I, I know he knows that it doesn't go unnoticed and that the fans appreciate it. But, you know, because he, like you said, he doesn't have to do that. But it's just awesome that he does. It just adds that little extra layer of detail that's just going to make those episodes even more special. So, yeah, that was one of the bigger and coolest surprises to get at that panel. It, it was <laughs> just awesome to hear. And like you said, knowing that when you see that fight, you're seeing Ray Park as Darth Maul again. It's It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I can't wait to see that entire fight. And, you know, I'm wondering if we're actually going to be able to watch that and be like, oh, yeah, he's moving just like he did in The Phantom Menace. Like, I'm hoping that, you know, it's it's noticeable. Um, mm -hmm. But regardless, it's just so cool um, just to know that that's in there. Um, but then let's talk about that last clip that they showed, which is obviously from the beginning of the Siege of Mandalore arc. And this one wasn't even finished yet, which was kind of which, surprising to me. Yeah. Given that, you know, they they announced that the show was coming back like a year ago. But at the same time, I kind of get the feeling that this is maybe um, not quite a side project, but, you know, like the fact that the show has been canceled for a few years that they're just doing this final batch of episodes that like, they don't have all the same crew that they did on the original clone wars. Like that maybe it's a smaller crew and this is something that they have like more of like kind of a limited budget for or something. Um, but at the same time, like Dave said, like they really wanted to make sure they did it, uh, did it the right way and made it authentic and feel like the clone wars that we all know and love. And so I don't know if maybe it's just taking a longer time or if they have less people working on it or what, um, well, here's the crazy thing, though. That same shot was shown in the trailer. That's finished. <laughs> right. <laughs> but not the entire scene, though. Um, yeah, there was but... like a couple shots of it in the trailer that were finished. But I could understand it because, I mean, Dave said, like, it's not like they animate in like one episode at a time. He talked about having just, you know, shots come in. And he said when they announced it last year at Comic-Con, he said they he, they literally had like four shots completed. And so he didn't have yeah. much of a trailer to go off of. Um, and obviously they've got a lot more done now, but still like maybe not every shot in that sequence is finished. And so they just decided to show the whole thing and it's unfinished quality. Cause I think it would be really weird if they like jumped back and forth and had certain shots that were finished and certain that were unfinished. Um, that's true. But obviously they had, you know, the finished dialogue over everything. 
Um, and you still get a good sense of how the scene is going to play out. And I think the reason that he wanted to show the scene is it was one that he described at Celebration yeah. London back in 2016, which is the first time that he really kicked all this off and the first time that he ever teased us about the Siege of Mandalore and talked about what uh, the final arc of Clone Wars was going to be and kind of where Ahsoka's journey was heading. And... Um, and it just him describing the scene at that panel had Ashley Eckstein in tears. And so now we actually got to see that this scene for the first time. And it's a scene where Anakin is uh, walking through the hallway with Ahsoka. And I just love the way even it starts, like clones are saluting her and, and yep, acknowledging great. her as commander. And she says like, they shouldn't be saluting me. I'm not their commander anymore. Um, and Anakin says that doesn't matter to them. Like the, the, they know what you sacrificed for them, what everything that you've gone through on the battlefield. And the main thing that the clones care about is loyalty. And then they get to the end of a hallway, the doors open up and there's Rex standing there with, you know, a portion of the 501st. And it's interesting because I thought they were all going to be like in the orange armor, but they're still, in their, they're still in their blue 501st armor, but with their helmets all painted orange with, you know, kind of that Ahsoka insignia on it, which I thought was an interesting choice because I think it, like part of me felt like it maybe clashes a little bit, but then at the same time, I kind of like it because a, it distinguishes that like, this isn't a separate clone division. Like this is still the 501st and they just painted their helmets in honor of Ahsoka. And so I kind of like that. It looks a little bit more like mishmashy that, mm -hmm. you know, she's not like the commander of her own battalion, but that it's these clones that have chosen to paint their helmets in honor of her and, and you know, follow her. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel like it could have been a little more cohesive if they had the entire armor. But at the same time, I like that they're still denoting like this is the 501st. And obviously Rex is still in his armor. Um, and uh, we don't see Rex wearing a helmet, but he's holding one that's just like a standard clone trooper helmet that's painted orange. And so I'm guessing he still has his his normal helmet that, you know, he's his kind of customized one. Um, I guess he didn't paint that one because we still see that one in Rebels. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I guess in universe too, it saves on time for them redoing all of their armor. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Cover. Well, and it, yeah, because obviously you would think, I mean, obviously Anakin's taking the time to stop and talk with her and, and show her the clones and everything. But at the same time, you assume like if he's giving her this clone legion that is choosing to stay behind and follow her, then he's probably already gotten the news about the Chancellor. So it's yeah. like, okay, great, you know, have this emotional moment with Snips, but like hustle, man, like the Chancellor's in, <laughs> in danger. Um, so yeah, you're, you're right. It makes sense too that like they probably just didn't have time to do the whole paint job. But um, I mean, that's just a nitpick. Like overall, just the emotion of the scene is just so great to see yeah. uh, just the realization of Ahsoka as she sees these clones that are choosing to stay loyal to her. It's also heartbreaking is I didn't realize this till like maybe the second time I watched the clip, but when Anakin says uh, what matters most to the clones is loyalty, I can't help mm -hmm. but think what's inevitably going to happen when order 66 comes yeah. down. Um, but uh, man, that's uh, like, I can't yeah. wait to see that. And at the same time, I'm dreading it. I mean, we know Ahsoka's not going to die, but still to see these mm -hmm. clones turn on her is just going to be, so heartbreaking like the same ones that were so loyal to her that they repainted their helmets with her markings on them to see them shooting at her like that's just gonna break my heart um if that is what happens because we don't know for sure but i'm assuming like i mean we know she's even though she says she's not a jedi anymore like 
the clones, I think, are going to see like, okay, well, we've got like a lightsaber wielding force user who has been associated with the Jedi before close enough, you know. Um, but yeah. we'll see. Maybe that's going to be one of the big surprises of the arc. Um, but still, just to to be able to see that scene was awesome. And of course, had Ashley Eckstein in tears again. Um, and Dave was kind of being like, oh, was that the scene that made you cry when I <laughs> talked about it? Oh, I didn't realize that. I had um, no idea why you know, I brought this scene to show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it was really special just for for the fans at Celebration to be able to see that. Obviously, for us to be able to see it, too. Um, and then and I like how it ended, too. You know, he's uh, Ahsoka's just standing in front of Rex with all the other clones around them. And she sa- he says, it's good to have you back, Commander. And she's like, thank you, Rex, but, you know, you don't have to call me Commander anymore. And he's like, noted, Commander. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I loved everything about that clip. It was, I mean, you said all the reasons why it was so good, even in its unfinished animation form. I've still got chills at certain moments, especially when Anakin presented Ahsoka with all the clone troopers and that the respect they're showing for her and the bit of dialogue Anakin was telling her about. That's loyalty is so important to the clones. That it's just part of the reason why I love him so much. It's just so great. And like you said, just knowing what's going to happen and, you know, on two fronts. I mean, this is why the Siege of Mandalore is going to be so special. Just from an action standpoint, it's going to be crazy good. You got Ray Parker's Darth Maul that we're talking about, but it's really going to hit hard on the emotional beats. I mean, and this is one of them. Um, because I, I imagine she'll have one final goodbye to Anakin, but it's probably going to come either in that scene or one afterwards or pretty close to it. And then that's it. They won't see each other until we get to, you know, season two of Rebels and the confrontation they have. That's going to be heartbreaking to see. And then, Mm -hmm. like you said, the stuff with Rex, even though we didn't get anything about it in the trailer and this clip, we know, or at least I'm assuming, I hope we do, we're going to get the final goodbye between Rex and Ahsoka. Oh, we have to. Yeah, this what leads to that with Order 66 and how hard it's going to be for them to say goodbye to each other. And then it's going to make that moment in Rebel Season 2 even more special when they get reunited and they have that hug and embrace. It's just going to be so great. And again, the reason why I love prequels and <laughs> stories in Star Wars is just how it just elevates other moments that we already love and just makes them even more special. And the Season of Mandalore is going to do that for several moments, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love this scene. And just part of the reason why we cannot wait for the Season of Mandalore, why we wanted to see it so much. And you're talking about Dave Filoni showing that concept art and that's in Celebration London and just how, again, kind of like the Bad Batch, but I think even more so with this, just going, oh, this is really cool to know, but so disappointing. We're never going to see this finished and just how amazing it could have been. And here we are again, like I said, several years later, knowing we're going to get it. And it's looking as special and as amazing as we knew it would be once we first started hearing those details it was just so good to see again just in that unfinished animated form it's going to be even more so once we see the entire arc looking as good as we know it's going to be so yeah that was a great clip and even though it wasn't like i said on the quality as far as animation like the bad batch and the ahsoka one this was probably the best clip shown out of the three just for you know the emotional punch it had it was so good yeah no doubt um, and then of course, like we said, so right after that, then the whole cast of Clone Wars came out. Um, and that was just really great to see their whole reunion and hear them all talk about, you know, stories from working on the show and how they really have become like a big family over the years. Um, 
And then, uh, you know, of course, they finished it up by showing that trailer. And, man, I, I kind of wish I had gone back and watched it again right before this just so I could remember, like, all the stuff that they showed. <laughs> but, look, my main takeaway from this, and I kind of started talking about this earlier, is just how fantastic it looks. Like, I mean, and I, we've talked about before how great the Clone Wars looked and how the animation got better and better every season. And it makes sense because, the you know, the show ended, what, six years ago now? Gosh, that's a long yeah. time. Um, but this doesn't just look like, you know, a, a step up, like, oh, this would have been what the next season looked like. Like if Clone Wars had kept going, like think of, you know, how good the animation looked in season six, this looks like season like nine or 10 maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially it's just the, the lighting and like just the, the angles and stuff, but then also like the depth of field, how like just the focus on the characters, it looks so cinematic. Like you can almost tell that Dave has been working in live action and then was <laughs> like, Hey, let me go back to Clone Wars and just make this look like a freaking movie. Like it's unbelievable. And then not just that, but the way that the action is framed, I mentioned that shot earlier where Ahsoka is, um, you know, in the gunships with the clones as they're, uh, descending onto Mandalore and there's like Mandalorians attacking their gunship and Ahsoka is fighting them in the gunship and just doing these flips and these force pushes and, and like kind of just acting in twos. It's like she slices two guys and force pushes two guys and then does like this split kick and kicks two guys and then latches onto one of them as they fly out of the ship. And it's just like the way that that shot was just the action was choreographed and it was framed and everything just, kind of catches me off guard every time I watch it. And I'm just like, whoa, that was crazy. Um, and seeing more shots from the Bad Batch that looks amazing. Uh, the one shot, like the finished shot that we did see from that scene with Ahsoka and Rex um, and her seeing, you know, him holding the orange helmet. There's a shot of that in the trailer that, again, just I can't say enough, like how it just looks incredible. Um Gosh, I can't wait to watch these episodes. <laughs> I know, man. I, you're absolutely right about the animation. And again, like I said, it's not even the best quality yet that we're watching it. It already looks amazing. And for whatever reason, there's just something about the shot where we see Bo-Katan, you know, walk towards the screen. You see another Mandalorian behind her. And I got to say, you know, how awesome Mandalorians look already with their helmets. But Mandalorians with like cloaks and hoods over the helmets. <laughs> that yeah. looks cool too. I love that visual style. But there's something, maybe it's the way she's she moves, but the animation quality with her helmet, that to me looks like the most realistic shot that it could be almost live action. <laughs> it's real quick, but there's something about it that really stood out to me that really showcases how far the animation has come. It just looks incredible. But the trailer did a great job of really getting you excited about each arc, the Ahsoka and Coruscant art. Like I mentioned before, we see her go up against some uh, members of the Pike, uh, the Pike Crime Syndicate, and then having her bump into a Mandalorian, which looks cool. And it seems like um, the clones are going to be involved in that arc too, in some way, because we see a shot of a clone trooper kind of lowering down into uh, the tunnel that to level thirteen, thirteen. So, be cool to see well, some- I think I know which shot you're talking about, and I think that might actually be from the Bad Batch arc. Really? Because there's to me, a it looks scene. Like course at- on it. Well, I'll have to go back and watch it again. But I know the scene you're talking about of the clone descending, like on the yeah. rope, and I think it's. At least I, I could be wrong and I'll go back and watch it again. But I thought that was like 
from the I think it's the final arc in the the final episode in the Bad Batch arc when like Mace Windu and mm-hmm. Obi Wan are surrounded by all yeah. these droids. We see a couple of shots of that. Um, but I think there's a part where maybe some clones like descend down into that area too. Um, and again, watching it with like the finished lighting and stuff, it's a lot darker than it was in the animatic reel. I thought they were in like this bright lit, you know, warehouse, but it turns out, you know, maybe it's nighttime or something. So I thought that's where that clone was going into, but it could also have to do with that Ahsoka arc too. Um, cause also we do see, I think there's another shot in the trailer that looks like it's on a completely different planet than any of the other stuff that's going on. And I'm assuming that that's going to be part of that Ahsoka arc too. Cause you know, they kind of hinted at having a ship and going off world. So I think there could be some unexpected stuff in that arc that we're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not, a, not aware of yet. Yeah. It's not just going to be a simple Ahsoka's like a, you know, a mechanic now <laughs> with two yeah. friends. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. It's not just but... going to be like four episodes of day in the life on Coruscant of a mm-hmm. non Jedi. And it just got, even though we've seen it already, just the shots they showed too of the Bad Bad is get, again making me really excited to see that arc again, the way it was intended to be. I love that line that Rex said, you know, I've lost so many brothers through the course of this, ro- this war, mentioning Fives, Echo, and Heavy, and seeing mm-hmm. that like photograph of them together was just really cool. So I, I almost forgot about that, <laughs> but it's going to be awesome to see it again. And ah, man, probably a nice biggest surprise that I wasn't expecting here. Ahsoka has blue lightsaber. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we know she had the double bladed green ones. And I said before how much I love blue bladed lightsabers and the fact that she's going to use them for the final arc in the Siege of Mandalore, fight Darth Maul with blue bladed lightsabers. Just visually, it looks awesome. I just love seeing that. That was a, a really cool and nice surprise and uh, made for a really cool you know, poster image that they gave away to uh, the different members or everyone who was in attendance at the panel. And mm-hmm. which, by the way, early big thank you to Paul. He was able to snag some of those exclusive posters <laughs> from the panels, including that one from Clone Wars. So much appreciated, Paul. We'll have to yeah. give him another thank you on our next episode. Oh, yeah. I was just going to wait till he showed up, to, uh, you know, on our next episode to thank him for getting us those posters. But, um, yeah, that's really cool. We got friends on the inside. Yes, but I just love the visual look of Ahsoka with blue lightsabers. It's just so awesome. And I like Anakin's dialogue when he gave them to her, saying, you know, they'll be uh, like either like as good as new or even better, something to that effect. Where yeah, I think he says, he's like, they're pretty much, uh, you know, not good as new. I, I think he's like, they're just the way you remember them or something like that. And then she uh-huh. ignites them and they're both blue. And he says, yeah, maybe a little better. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I just love that idea that she's going to be using two blue lightsabers that just looks so cool so and another shot from the bad batch that was one of my favorite moments in the the arc and i can't wait to see in finished animation was where um again i gotta get familiar with the names of the different (laughs) bad batch clones but it was the one who was a sniper and he Uh, fires when he fires the blast down the hallway and it's like ping pinging off the walls Mm -hmm. and hitting all the droids oh my gosh yeah they showed a quick shot of it here in this trailer, it looked awesome, just like I was hoping it would. So, so many great stuff. And I'm kind of going through the trailer right now as we talk about it. And there's one shot that I'm trying to freeze frame to get a better look at it. And I may need your memory of the Bad Batch arc, Kyle, to see um, if this maybe is something I'm thinking of or if it's not. Um, there's a shot. It. There's a shot of Anakin in his Jedi Starfighter. Was there yes. a moment... In the Bad Batch arc where he flies in his fighter? Yes. And okay, here's okay. how much of a nerd I am that I pay this much attention to detail. It's in 
the opening reel of one of the episodes. I think it's in the first Bad Batch episode where it's just, you know, where the narrator is setting it up uh-huh. and talking about the battle that's going on on this planet. And he's like, clone forces fight the droids like on the planet and in the air. And you see a shot of Anakin in his starfighter, like flying okay. overhead as Mace Windu is like leading the troops on the ground. Um, but I don't remember if there was specifically a shot of him in the cockpit. And I was trying to freeze frame that as well, because I was wondering if that shot was from the Bad Batch arc, or if it's maybe if we're actually going to see a snippet of Anakin and Obi-Wan in the Battle Mm -hmm. of Coruscant. On the same page. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, no, I I know exactly what shot you're talking about. And I had that same question, because like I said, I know we're definitely going to briefly see him in his starfighter in the bad batch arc um but i think that could also be part of the battle of coruscant as well even if that's only like maybe at the beginning of the second arc or the the second episode of the siege of mandalore arc if it's just just like during the opening reel and it's like well the jedi have gone to rescue the chancellor on coruscant ahsoka's on mandalore doing xyz and you know just during that opening intro we see like a quick shot of the battle of coruscant that would still be so awesome yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I thought of when I saw that shot. Like, are we actually going to get a little bit of the Battle of Coruscant in animated form? That would be so cool. So that's why I wanted to ask you, because the only thing I could think of, this is something else from the Bad Batch arc that I'm not remembering. So uh, it would be cool if it is. But, man, I mean, I have it paused right now to see if I can notice in the background. There are just several uh, you know, Republic ships flying over Anakin as we see him in the cockpit. But it is kind of hard to tell to see if it is that battle. Um, that they're having on the planet of the Bad Batch or if it's something else or if it is Coruscant. So we'll have to wait and see, but it would be cool <laughs> because that's the first thing I thought of seeing Anakin in that familiar cockpit that we see him in episode three. Mm-hmm. So here's hoping it is, but <laughs> cool shot regardless of. Yeah, definitely. Um, oh, man. Yeah, Clone Wars is back. Yeah, like, but the only question is when. And I know. <laughs> I was hoping that, and because again, we already kind of had an idea from the Disney Plus um, presentation, uh, you know, from right before Celebration. We knew that um, Clone Wars was not on the list of things that they announced was going to be there day one. So we're like, okay, we might have to wait a little bit for it. At least we'll have the Mandalorian in the meantime, and hopefully Clone Wars won't take too long. And I was thinking, well, oh, okay, and at the Clone Wars panel, they'll probably announce when it's coming. Um, but they didn't. So we're still waiting to find that out. Um, I'm just, I really hope it's sooner rather than later. Um, you know, if it's not by the end of this year that I'm hoping it's like early 2020. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I figured they would have been a little bit further along in production by this point. Heck, I thought they might even show an episode at celebration. Um, but, you know, I mean, they've showed that one episode uh, that we talked or that one clip that we talked about that was still, you know, not even finished yet. So if they've still got a ways left to go in terms of uh, getting all the work done, then um, obviously I would rather have it uh, be done to completion and done as well as possible. Like I'd rather have them take their time on it and just make it awesome. Um, so I don't mind being patient. I just, you know, I hope it's not too long because I this is going to be incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously we talked about this a lot last year when they announced that Clone Wars was coming back in the first place and it was just such a gift that we were not expecting, but now that we are expecting it and we kind of know more what to expect and now we know like what episodes we're getting and everything and we've seen a tease of it. I'm just, I can't wait till we get to finally watch these episodes. It's going to be so amazing. Yep. And I get the feeling it's going to be early 2020, at least, you know, 
that's my hope, <laughs> like between like January and April, something like that. But going back to the trailer real quick, we, we didn't even talk about how it ended, which was awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, we'd already talked about Maul and Ahsoka. That just kind of, you know, slipped my mind. But yeah, but I just love how it was edited together. This goes to black and you just hear these stomps, these robotic mm-hmm. stomps <laughs> and you know what's coming. And then you just hear Maul's dialogue, which, again, still obsessed with Obi-Wan, which I love. Just saying, I was hoping for a Kenobi. Why are you here? And then we just see quick flashes of their fight. I mean, it's really quick, but even then you could tell it's going to be really awesome. Again, like I said, Ahsoka with those two blue lightsabers going up against Maul's double-bladed lightsabers. It just looks really cool. And it looks like they're in um, – it's kind of hard to tell, but – to me, anyway, it looks pretty similar to the main throne room mm-hmm. area of Mandalore where he fought pre-Vizsla. Like, the lighting's a little darker, though. But hopefully that's the case where they have their fight because, you know, it'd be, it's a nice, it's a cool setting to have a lightsaber fight and just, again, fighting for you know, I guess the rule of Mandalore like he did with pre-Vizsla. It would be good to have it there again. So it just even though they're really quick shots, it was just perfect enough to get you really amped to see that fight even more so already from hearing about Dave talked about with Ray Park and everything, actually seeing it real quick. Man, so cool. And they, the only way the trailer can end. I mean, I was waiting for it throughout the course of the trailer. Like, when's them all going to show up? And then mm-hmm. as we're getting close to the end, it's like, okay, that's where it's going to end on. And it would be very fitting. So, yeah, great way to end a great trailer. Yeah, definitely. And I'm thinking that might end up being like a multi-stage kind of fight, too. Like, Because like you were saying, that does look like the throne room on Mandalore, but then maybe they'll end up going outside too. Cause now I'm trying to remember from the Ahsoka novel, um, that they released. Like, I know that one has some, like some brief, like interludes or whatever you want to call it. Um, just kind of brief snippets of the book where they're almost like flashbacks, uh, to that moment actually opened the book though. Right. right. Well, yeah. And that moment opened the book, but again, it's, it's kind of a flashback to like where the, Mm -hmm. as opposed to where the main story starts. Um, but yeah, that very first, uh, flashback starts with Ahsoka fighting Maul on Mandalore. And I, I could be mistaken, but I thought they were like, I thought it talked at least the way I pictured it. I thought they were like out in a courtyard and they were fighting, but then like the clones were watching them or something, or they were like trying to set a trap for Maul. Um, so I don't yeah, know. I'll, I'll have right. to go, I'll have to go back and check that again, but I don't think I'm just saying like maybe the entire fight isn't going to take place in one room. Um, which would make sense because, again, Dave talked about wanting to make it big and epic and, uh, you know, they can move around a lot. I mean, heck, we've already seen other lightsaber duels even within Clone Wars where they did that because um, the Maul and Savage and Sidious fight took place in that throne room, too. And they ended up mm. out on balconies and down, you know, in front of that mural and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, man, I, ugh, I'm so glad that we're finally getting these episodes and I just cannot wait to watch it. Um, and you know, whenever this comes out, we're going to be doing a huge Clone Wars geek out episode, um, you know, celebrating the the finale of this show. And I'm just so glad that they get to close it out the way they want to. It's interesting because, you know, hearing Dave talk about it, he's talked about how, like, he's like, I wouldn't want to go back to doing it again, like full time, like the way that we used to, just because like it's over, they've moved on. Like, you don't want to keep doing the same thing forever. Um, and he didn't want to go back to Clone Wars and have it just be an ongoing thing. Like now he's done, he's done Rebels and now he's working on the Mandalorian, but he said he really wanted this opportunity to just be able to go back and, um, just do the conclusion to that story and, you know, just kind of answer the big lingering questions and get to do, 
um, you know, these big stories that fans have been wanting for a long time and just to get to get to give it a, a proper conclusion and to end it the way that they wanted to. So I'm just so grateful that we're we're going to be able to get that. And uh, yeah, whenever we get to watch these on Disney Plus, it's going to be a great day. Oh, yes. And again, as we talked about when it was first announced at Comic-Con last year, just how all we really ever wanted was the Siege of Mandalore to get that final arc. Mm -hmm. And the, the fact that we're getting two more is just an added bonus and just, you know, something that is just them going, I think, above and beyond for us fans to give us two more arcs that look to be you know really important for several characters as well to lead up to the grand finale that will be Siege of Mandalore. So everything about Clone Wars coming back is just so amazing for us fans who love the series from the beginning who've been there for, you know, these past 11 years and it's going to get the clue, the conclusion that it most definitely deserved and how it was pretty much an injustice that it never got that final arc that needed to wrap everything's up and end it on the way George Lucas and Dave Filoni intended. So this was, that was always, probably the biggest casualty once during that period of like 2013 where everything that we were looking forward to getting got canned or axed or canceled or whatever. Mm -hmm. And this was probably the biggest one, the biggest disappointing of disappointment of them all. And the fact that we're getting it now is just amazing. And this couldn't be more thankful that we're going to get this final story. And it looks incredible just as we all knew it would be. So, and like you said, can't wait to not only see it, but then, talk about it and do a massive episode like we did in the past for, you know, the lost missions or season six, I should say <laughs> of all those when those became available. So I can't wait to do the same thing for these next three arcs. And yeah, it's going to be so much fun. So we don't know when yet, but once we do get that date, I mean, that's the next uh, date to mark our calendars on after, <laughs> for the, after the rise of Skywalker, after that, it's going to be Clone Wars as far as the next thing. We just cannot wait to see. So yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> um, well, man, uh, we've talked so much good Star Wars stuff on this already. There's so much more from Celebration. Like, I mean, there was the Rebels Remembered panel. Um, I haven't and, watched it, but I got to definitely. Oh, it was out. great. Oh, yeah. You got to watch that because of the jokes that they were talking about in uh, in the Clone Wars panel where they were talking about Dave's trust tree. That's like an okay. inside joke from the Rebels panel that they carried over into the Clone Wars panel. Ah. So it was almost <laughs> like if you watched all the stuff from all of Celebration, you kind of got the inside joke. Um, but um yeah, I mean, the Rebels panel was great. There was so much other great stuff. Even yeah. just some of the interviews with people on, like, the stage at the Star Wars show. Um, I mean, I talked about the Alan Tudyk one. The Ahmed Best one was also really cool. I mean, it's so cool just to see yeah. him come back to uh, to Celebration after all these years. Um, and I did watch the 20th anniversary of the Phantom Menace panel, which was really cool, too. Just seeing the love be shown for that movie on both the actor side and, you know, the creative side, because they have several people like John Nolan, Doug Ching, and others on the panel as well, which was really great. So that was another cool one. Yeah. And I haven't gotten to check that one out yet, but um, I mean, who knows, maybe we'll, depending on how our next couple episodes go. I mean, obviously, like I said, when Paul gets back, we're going to mainly be talking about uh, episode nine and the Mandalorian in a lot more depth um, on our next episode, but maybe we'll do another one and talk about like the, uh, the Phantom Menace panel and just some of the other stuff that happened at celebration. Um, and some of the other cool panels and stuff, or maybe, you know, at least touch on that a little bit more in our next one. Um, 
And then, of course, there was Resistance Season 2, which apparently they didn't show a trailer for, but the uh, no, the audience surprising. there got to see the first episode of Season 2. Um, so, uh, you know, that was pretty cool. I mean, I haven't read anything about what happened yet, and I don't want to get it spoiled, but um, they didn't really reveal a whole lot of details about what we can expect in Season 2, although they did say that it picks up right after Season 1, kind of the same way that The Last Jedi picks up after right after The Force Awakens. Um but I think the last big announcement that we want to talk about uh, that they ended with at the closing ceremonies, thankfully, we were not left hanging with Warwick Davis saying, you know, we'll see you at the next celebration, whenever that may be. Um, <laughs> no, they played this big giant game of uh, pass the rebel data card around the auditorium uh, while getting chased by Darth Vader's lightsaber and made all of us waiting at home wait an excruciatingly long time know, to find it out. Got pretty tedious. <laughs> yeah, but we finally found out that the next Star Wars celebration um, we got two pleasant surprises here. A, it's back in Anaheim, which is back yes. in our neck of the woods. That's like in Tim's backyard, and it's like a six-hour drive for me. So we will be at the next Star Wars celebration. No um, question about it. Which yeah. is going to be <laughs> just so much fun. I already can't wait for it. And also, yeah, it's going to be next year uh, in 2020, which was a surprise as well because normally – they're either every other year or if there's one, you know, if they have them in consecutive years, usually it's overseas. Like, uh, you know, in 2015, it was in Anaheim. 2016, it was in London. And then it was back in Orlando in 2017. And then they didn't have one in 2018. And then there was this one. Um, and I think even before Anaheim, there was one in either like 2013 or 14. It was like in Germany or something like that. So um the fact that we have them back-to-back -back years in the States and that the next one is uh, coming to Anaheim, um, boy, I can't wait for that. Um, yeah, and I don't I mean, know, I, I highly doubt that that celebration is going to be as big as this one in terms of like announcements and news and stuff because we already know, well, we're definitely not getting a saga film next year. And I think um, there was an interview with, maybe it was Bob Iger around the time uh, that we got the trailer for episode nine that he was saying that they might take a little bit of a break after yeah. um, after episode nine, which, you know, and we had talked about that on our last episode, those rumors that the Benioff and Weiss movies might start going into production this year. And could we get a movie out by next year? But um, it sounds like we're probably at least two years away from the next Star Wars film after episode nine. Um that doesn't mean we couldn't, you know, at least get some announcements or something about what's coming in the future. Um, but also, I'm so I'm sure we'll probably get, you know, maybe some stuff for Mandalorian season two uh, for, you know, resistance for hopefully Clone Wars is out by then. But hey, if I was going to say it would be cool to get, you know, like new looks at Clone Wars and maybe see some episodes, but at the same time, no, hopefully it's out before. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hopefully it's out before then, but if it's not, hopefully we at least get to see a full episode. Yeah. Um, we'll probably get some stuff about the Cassian series, maybe an announcement about that. If not like a, a teaser trailer or something, and then maybe some new announcements about, uh, I don't know, maybe new movies or new stuff that they're working on. I'm sure there'll be another video game coming out next year. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to wait and see what announcements come out for the rest of the year and for next year. But I'm also, you know, I'm I'm already going into it with the mindset that I'm more looking forward to celebration next year just to hang out with, you know, with you and Paul and with, exactly. uh, you know, a bunch of our other friends from, uh, you know, we got a bunch of guys like from the Thunderquack Network, like Mike, uh, Mike Cohen and Matt Cranky and guys like that, that all live 
on the West Coast, you know, California and, and uh, you know, I know Paul's up in Seattle and I'm in Arizona, but Anaheim is a lot closer for us than, uh, you know, Chicago or Orlando or whatever. So it's going to be fun just getting the gang back together again. Um, I just and, love to, like, right when it was announced, right away we started getting a bunch of texts from different people planning, you know, where to stay, <laughs> like all yeah. these arrangements. It's like, it hasn't even been announced like 10 minutes and we're already trying to Yeah, and we out. don't know the dates yet, so don't exactly. start booking hotels yet. Um, but just, it's yeah. It's awesome to see how excited everyone is. So. Yeah, yeah, just knowing that it's going to be so close for us and knowing that it's only a year away. Presumably, I mean, it could be like late next year, but... Um, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. And I'm definitely but, excited to get more details about it. But and yeah, like you were saying, I mean, it's probably not going to be as big as, you know, content stuff that we've got this year with episode nine, Clone Wars, The Mandalorian. I mean, this was Star Wars overload and it was awesome. And like you said, since we're not getting a movie next year, we're probably not going to have some quite on the level as the episode nine panel we got this year. But I have a feeling we're going to get another you know, future of Star Wars panel like we did at Anaheim for Rogue One. And yeah. That, at that time, the Boba Fett movie. But I think that's where we're definitely going to learn what the Benioff and Weiss movies are going to be and probably Ryan Johnson's as well. Mm-hmm. That was another thing that came out, I think, in an interview with Kathleen Kennedy that I kind of forgot about, actually, but kind of saying how they're working together, like are in tandem with what they're developing. So maybe there's more connectivity to the projects than originally thought. So it'll be interesting to learn more about what they're working on. But I think that's going to be the spot where we really get um, the information on what those movies are going to be about. And maybe kind of a, a teaser trailer for those, like we did with Rogue One, nothing that's actually from the movie, but just enough to get you excited and show you what it's about. So that's going to be cool. But like you said, Kyle, the biggest thing we're all excited about is just getting to hang out with each other again. I mean, just between you, me and Paul, the three of us haven't, been together since Celebration Anaheim back in 2015. So it would have been five years by the time we get to Celebration Anaheim in 2020. So it's just going to be awesome to get to hang out the three of us again. And then, like you said, this with all our other friends that we know <laughs> throughout the pod- Star Wars podcasting world. It's going to be so much fun. But here's the other thing. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that will be, you know, be open probably for a full-blown year. And Hopefully they'll get everything. As we know, it's not, once it opens, not everything's going to be ready. But by that time, I have pretty confident that all the attractions, the rides are going to be good to go. And man, that's going to be a big part of that celebration, getting to experience Galaxy's Edge with all of you guys and all our friends. It's going to be so cool. So yeah, just that in itself is something to look forward to with Celebration being back at Anaheim. Yeah, definitely. You're right. I had thought about that earlier. Like, I think that is going to be a big part of that. Um, and I've already been thinking about like, well, when do I want to go for the first time? I'm definitely not going to try to go and fight the crowds like right when it opens. And I've been thinking about maybe trying to go for my birthday next year, which is in January. But I'm like, nah, like if all of us are together for celebration, we can't not go to Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll be planning for that too. That's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be an expensive trip between Galaxy's (laughs) Edge and Celebration and all the Star Wars merch that I'm going to want to buy in both places. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's going to be so cool to just be able to experience all of that together for the first time, too. Yeah. So, I mean, we were disappointed that, you know, Celebration wasn't at Anaheim this year like we were hoping for. But the fact that we're going to get it next year, it is so cool and already something to look forward to in 2020 and that I can't wait for. So definitely some awesome news to close out 
what was an already awesome celebration. So yeah, just good news all the way around. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, before we wrap up here, um, I know over the weekend you had put out some Twitter polls and we got some responses from people about stuff they're excited about. So you want to go ahead and uh, read some of those? Yeah. Uh, first up, mainly regarding the episode nine trailer and a few comments for the Mandalorian. And I first put up a poll the day, I should say a few hours after the episode nine trailer went up, just, you know, after a few hours, I think we've all watched it a million times by then. So <laughs> I felt that was the right time to put a poll up, uh, just seeing what everyone thought of it. So um, the choices I put were, you know, if it exceeded expectations, if you thought it was a solid first trailer. And I didn't even want to put this on here because I didn't think there's any way anyone can feel disappointed <laughs> about the trailer. But, you know, I got to cover all opinions on it. So I put disappointing. And then for the last one, it just thought there's just so many questions <laughs> after watching the trailer. So um, definitely coming in or thankfully coming in at last, but still a little disappointed that the disappointing option <laughs> got 4%. I was hoping for zero, but 4% were disappointed by it, unfortunately. And then 17% said, uh, for I have so many questions, 32% saying very solid first trailer, and then winning at 47% was that it exceeded expectations. And that's definitely how I felt. <laughs> yep, I would agree. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just exceeded it on every front. And then a few comments about it. Uh, first up from Derek Beebe, at Derek Beebe on Twitter says, this is the most thrilled about Star Wars I've been since the TFA teaser. Palpatine is my all-time favorite character, and I never even dreamed he would ever be in the sequel trilogy. I was already excited for episode nine, but this just tripled my anticipation. And then Dylan Sparks at underscore fives with two Vs underscore says, let's go see it. The shot of Kylo taking down that resistance trooper was rad, and I loved the ending, of course. Honestly, it got me so intrigued. As soon as I heard the laugh and processed it, I was like, how will they bring him back? And then Eric at London's Dark uh, says, um, regarding the secrecy about the surprise ending, he goes, people who nag on JJ for keeping things a mystery just experienced the fully armed and operational strategy of how magical it is to discover everything in the teaser trailer unspoiled. Bless you, JJ. And he had his tweet with a gif of a credit saying it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, it was. That moment was beautiful indeed. And then in regards to the title, The Rise of Skywalker, Raising a Rebel at Raising a Rebel said, I love how even uh, reading all the titles, you get the shape of the story. George really was right. This is like poetry. And Star Wars Junkie at uh, Wars Junkie says, how do you end the saga with a title, The Rise of Skywalker or The Rise of Anything? I'm more curious now than ever. And those are actually response to a tweet I just put out naming all the episodes in the nine part Star Wars saga. I just love now that we can name off all nine episodes and just does have a nice ring to it. And as Raising Rebel says, you know, that poetry that George Luke is talking about. So that was another thing that is great having and knowing that episode nine title. Now we know all of them for the complete Skywalker saga, which is awesome. And then on Facebook uh, regarding the trailer, uh, Michael Cohen, as we mentioned earlier, says, I love the title. It's so mysterious, but I'm sure once we see it, everything will make sense. And I cannot wait for December. And then Christoph Keatsman says, it's obvious Disney is backtracking like mad in the aftermath of The Last Jedi. Both the mask and the lightsaber are being fixed, undoing a lot of what's happened in the previous film. I guess that's a very direct statement on The Last Jedi and its reception by fans. I do believe we are seeing uh, the Death Star 2 on Endor, as Death Star 1 would make no sense. The second one has a connection to Palpatine. Other than that, there's little to see for the time being. 
So, I mean, what Christoph says right there, I think we'll go into more on our next episode as far as speculation on those shots, especially the one with the Death Star. And maybe even a little bit about, you know, this being a reaction to The Last Jedi, which I do have some thoughts on, which I kind of can see both points where how that's probably the case. At the same time, it is just part of the natural progression of the story they want to tell. So we'll probably save that more for the next episode. But um, definitely an interesting discussion to have regards to episode nine and how it's being shaped. And then a few comments on The Mandalorian on Facebook. Brian B. Klein says, although I thought the panel was kind of lacking direction and all over the place, the sizzle reel shown and the clip slash trailer shown was excellent. The room was electric and everyone in my section was ooing and aahing like crazy. Can't wait for this. And then Richard Brockwell says, I may or may not have stumbled upon some leaked videos, but it looks superb. Yes, it does. And I mean, even though we didn't see it through the stream, just seeing the reactions on Twitter and Paul's reaction, which I can't wait to hear his description for it, matches up with Brian is saying how there was just a lot of crazy buzz <laughs> surrounding the Mandalorian after they showed those clips. So can't wait to talk about the, that more and get Paul's firsthand account of how awesome it must have been to be in that room during those clips. So mm -hmm. should be cool stuff. And then also I put up a trailer or not a trailer. I put up a poll today on Twitter asking what was, you know, favorite trailer or the new content we got and the tr we still got about 19 hours left. I know I put it up pretty close to when we're recording, but I'll just give a brief breakdown of what's winning that poll right now. So the choices were Rise of Skywalker, Jedi Fallen Order, The Mandalorian, and The Clone Wars. And coming in at 5% is Jedi Fallen Order. At 8% is The Mandalorian. And that's probably because not everyone got a chance to see it, or if they did see it, not the best quality. And then 11% is The Clone Wars, but winning in a landslide at 76% is the rise of Skywalker. And again, we probably get more votes as the day goes on. We'll see if it gets pretty close, but right now it's pretty safe to say that the rise of Skywalker was uh, the new trailer or the new <laughs> bit of reveal that we got that has everyone the most excited and was good reason. But honestly, I wouldn't be surprised by any choice that someone would pick because we got so much great stuff here and it was just amazing. So yeah. Can I yeah. just say clone wars needs more than 11% in that <laughs> poll. Um, but okay. So Tim, let me ask you before you, before we wrap up um, and we'll, we'll talk about this again with Paul next time, but just, you know, hot take celebration just ended for you. What's your option on that poll? What's, what's the thing out of all the stuff we talked about today? What, which one's got you the most excited? It's the rise of Skywalker. I mean, I loved everything, but I got to say, I kind of had a feeling nothing was going to top that trailer in that moment for me for celebration, even though the Clone Wars was awesome. We just talked about why we're so excited for it. But as I said, when we were talking about the Rise of Skywalker trailer, it just felt like a special moment for me getting that title reveal, the Palpatine reveal. It was so amazing. And it's kind of crazy, but that might be my favorite aspect of the trailer. I mean, words of text of words on screen has got me so excited and just what it means for not just the movie but the skywalker saga as a whole and that just feeling my excitement <laughs> so much out of everything we've gotten at celebration so yeah it's definitely the rise of skywalker but at the same time i don't want that to take away for how awesome all the other stuff was because yeah. we spend what almost three hours now <laughs> talking mm -hmm. about all this stuff so i don't want to take anything away from those but 
it was going to be hard to top the rise of Skywalker for me. I, it just, it was so special to me. Yeah. The more I think about it, when Paul gets back, we may just have to do like one separate episode just for the rise of Skywalker and one just for the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, um, I know, we, we could spend like two to three hours on each of those. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I want to say Clone Wars so bad because you know how special that is for me and just how much it means to me. And I would say if if I'm judging based on favorite panel, it was the Clone Wars one. Like any panel that Dave Filoni is on is going to be my favorite, but especially yeah. when it's Clone Wars. But favorite trailer, I have to give it to Skywalker. Um, just because I get like just every part of that trailer was amazing. And again, just that double whammy at the end of the Palpatine laugh and then the title reveal and just so many emotions, so many questions, so much awesome. Uh, gosh, it's a good time to be a Star Wars fan. Yeah. <laughs> and though it's cool, I think too, it sounds like from what you were saying, and I told you how much I love the Rise of Skywalker, and I don't want to speak for Paul, but knowing from what he's texted us and seen on Twitter, he's pretty ecstatic about the Mandalorian. And mm -hmm. even on our previous episodes, we were talking about what we were most excited for the most. And I think all the things we were most excited for delivered, delivered for each one of us. And that's awesome. They just, even for the ones that we were excited for, but not as much, those were great too. So just just a win-win all around. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Fans. Cause I was, I mean, going into celebration, I was probably most looking forward to the clone wars Mm -hmm. just based on previous experience. Like that's the one that I already loved the most. And, but episode nine was like the one that I was hoping to be excited about the most, you know, if that makes sense. Like that was the one that I was like, okay, I'm not super excited about it yet just cause I don't have much to go on, but like, get me excited about it. And they did. Um, so yeah, just, I mean, like you said, and you can't go wrong with any of them. Like I even, I responded to somebody else's poll on uh there was a, i think it was like uh hello greedo who's a star wars youtuber and he basically posted that same poll that i responded to yesterday and with the same options you know rise of skywalker and uh jedi fallen order and uh clone wars and the mandalorian and at the time i mean that was like the day of the clone wars panel and so just gut instinct i voted for clone wars in that poll and then i commented on it and said you know it was hard to choose i picked clone wars but really i'm just glad that we get like we don't have to choose between them like we get all of yeah. these <laughs> um so again it's just it's a great time to be a star wars fan and i'm just so glad that celebration was such a success delivered so much cool stuff um and that we get to enjoy all of it uh you know december 12th we'll get to watch the mandalorian oh and i didn't even say uh, i think it's december 15th that jedi fallen order comes out november um, or yes or what did i say you said December. <laughs> oh, just, yeah. So no, November 12th, we get the Mandalorian. November 15th, Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. Uh, December 20th, I think, yeah. is uh, episode nine. And then Clone Wars, TBD. But uh, man, I am super excited for all of that stuff and just cannot wait. And uh, man, yeah, love me some Star Wars. Oh, yes. <laughs> Without question. And from the responses we've got to and just the general buzz online, it seems like a lot of other people are liking Star Wars right now, too, which is always awesome to see. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And just last okay. note, too. I just I yeah, I love the excitement and and the positivity around mm -hmm. celebration this year, because I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, is Kathleen Kennedy going to get booed? And is it going to you know, or is it going to be full of, you know, people hating on The Last Jedi and whatever? You know, is there going to be kind of a sour taste in people's mouths? Um, and from what I've seen, 
it was nothing but, you know, just pure, just fun and joy and love for Star Wars. And yep. we talked about, uh, you know, the support and the positivity for like Kelly Marie Tran and Ahmed Best and people like that. Um, and Hayden Christensen and uh, just, you know, the love for the prequels and the sequels and just all aspects of Star Wars. It was it truly was just a celebration of all things Star Wars. Um, man, I wish we could have been there because from, you know, I'm sure Paul will come back and just be able to tell us a bunch of fun stories, too. And I had yeah. some other friends that were there as well and just following everybody on social media and seeing all the pictures and stuff looked like it was just an absolute blast, um, along with, of course, all the awesome announcements and stuff that we got, too. So, um, yeah, just uh, it, just great to know that people had such a great time and that it was just such an awesome uh, celebration of all things Star Wars, just as it should be. Exactly. I was just going to say that Star Wars as it should be. And I think it was on full display this weekend at Celebration Chicago, which was awesome to see. So, yeah, just an amazing time to, to, like you said, be a Star Wars fan. I know it's a cliche that people are probably tired of hearing, but hey, you got to speak the truth. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When it's when it becomes not a great time to be a Star Wars fan, we'll let you know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Hopefully that'll never be the case. (laughs) It's definitely not now. Yeah, for sure. Um, All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for now. Um, But, you know, we'll be back uh, pretty soon here with just more, you know, continuing stuff to talk about uh, in the wake of Celebration. And we'll be talking more Episode 9 and more Mandalorian and stuff like that with Paul when he gets back. Um, But, uh, you know, thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you've enjoyed all the awesome Star Wars stuff from Celebration as much as we have. Um, as always, you can follow us online um, or on Twitter at Star Wars TSC on Facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. Uh, you can send us email at Star Wars TSC uh, at gmail.com and check out our website at Star Wars TSC.com to, uh, you know, follow along with all the updates and news stories and stuff that we're posting um, and, uh, of course, check out thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack podcast network. Uh, but that's going to do it for now. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. And insert Paul screaming Godspeed Rebels here. Uh-huh.